If anybody loves trains, it's me, Johnny Cash. You know, if your boy's under 10 like mine is, he needs a big Lionel like this Black River Freight. Lionel also makes HO gauge trains for older kids like this Burlington 181. But for smaller hands, the big Lionel is easier to handle and put on the track. This Christmas, get your boy a train that's built for the way young boys play. A big, rugged Lionel. Lionel, the big train for small hands. Merry Christmas, Fozzie. Oh, boy. What is it? It's a birdhouse. It's a Polaroid camera. Take a picture. How? Just point it and press the button. That's got to be over his head. Point it at what? At us. Ah, now what? It is over his head. Press, press the, the button. button. Hey, this is easy. I'm beautiful. Take more. You see Polaroid's pictures along with the presents, and there's no simpler camera. No simpler bear. Polaroid means fun. With the button. I usually bring the, uh, the, the, I usually have the sleigh bell on me, but I don't know where, what I did with it this year. Usually did I bring you, it with us. Did your dad take it downstairs? Yeah, <laughs> yeah my dad, my dad took it and, <laughs> and uh, got rid of it. He's like, you're playing with this too much. What the fuck are you have a sleigh bell for? <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I pulled out. Like, dad, come on, stop, put the drink down. You don't even drink anymore. <laughs> Much There's no excuse for you to say stuff like that. I know. <laughs> Come on, that stuff's even, that's non-alcoholic, Dad. <laughs> for Christ's sakes. Mommy's listening, <laughs> Dad. Uh, Mom's in the corner crying. So, um, hey, you know, it was so damn cold coming over to your house tonight, I'll tell How you. How cold like was it? Out. <laughs> it was so cold. When I opened the fridge, there was a polar bear in there trying to keep warm. <laughs> it was cold. <laughs> We're taking this on the road. Vaudeville, here we come. <laughs> Welcome to a brand new uh, 2022 um, end of year uh, special starring the two guys you know from Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Jay Blake and <laughs> Dion Baia. Don't worry, this is the run through, everybody. This is the dress rehearsal. We'll get this right once we call on. <laughs> well, you know, in preparation for this, um, people uh, these days probably don't remember, unless they're our <laughs> age and, and obsessed with the past decades, that the Christmas variety show specials were quite the thing every year there was a dean martin one there was a donnie and marie one there was... bob hope had one for like 60 years yeah those were like staple holiday staples and then they would have like a special where it'd be like the ozzy and harriet um reunion christmas special and it's like where are they now or something so you'd have like the um you know, like the Ponderosa, a Bonanza one, or you'd have like the um, the uh, Brady Bunch one and stuff I, like that. You know, so it was <laughs> a few years ago. I watched the Brady Bunch one because I had watched it as a kid. I remember because I was way into the Brady Bunch as a kid. 
The Christmas show or just that you binged it all? Well, like, uh, I was kind of binging it. It was on, like, MeTV or something on the weekends, and they'd show, like, six episodes in a row. Yeah, they do, like, and, that block, and I'm like, and Jesus, so, I so, love them just like the next guy. So I ended up blowing through them pretty quickly after, uh, after mm. a few months. And then Christmas rolled around, so I watched uh, that Christmas TV movie, that Christmas special they did. And God, it was so yeah. awful. It was really bad. Really? <laughs> I mean, and that was the I, reunion I, one, right? I when had, they came back in like 1980 or Yeah, 90? but like they, they recast Cindy for some reason. Uh, Contractual obligations. But uh, I mean, I, like it was fun in, in a nostalgic kind of way. But uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty, by the end, it was like. Is this thing in? <laughs> How much more of this is left? They did one with the Munsters where they did one in like the early 80s. They kind of like, or maybe it was the early 90s. It had to be the early 80s because they re- rebooted the show as a short-lived TV show in the early 90s, the Munsters. But they did like a Christmas special of the Munsters and it was recast. Everybody's, you know, because it's early 80s, you know, Fred Gwynn, Al Lewis and all that stuff. So um, uh, I forget who was in. I don't know if anybody was of note in the cast, but it, it, it's it's a, you know, in the realm of Christmas specials, it's pretty good. But it's it's all you have to you have the double whammy of also having to get used to these people as who you know and love, and then also it being like a a Christmas special. But I mean, you know, you know me. I mean, this is my time of the year, and this is at the behest of me being like, come on, we should record Sunday end of the year. Like I love you know having the Christmas time and Christmas specials, and one of my biggest pastimes is at Christmas time going through and watching all the the various Christmas specials of TV shows and the Christmas movies and the Christmas trying to hold on to that childhood Blake as it got beat out of me as I got older, slowly <laughs> and surely. So I'm trying to keep it in this in this dystopian world of ours. Um, so, you know, at the end of the year, it's always fun to do these things. And then, um, I find it fun with anything. I mean, this is, you can broadly paint the brush with whatever we do on the Saturday night movie sleepovers podcast. Good evening and welcome to our Christmas edition or holiday edition. Um, I love going down the alley and then finding, you know, stuff that's new to you. That's 50, 60 years old or whatever, or a movie you've never seen before. Had you never seen Die Hard or have you never seen your Christmas story or whatever the heck. Or revisiting, like you just said, visit, revisiting something that you'd seen wait when you were a wait kid and you go back and find out like, oh, or whatever. Or you binge a show and the show you find out has a Christmas special. You're like, oh, that's great. Go watch that Christmas time. Do you watch that. the, um, one of the ones I watched this year is the, you know, Dean Martin did, apparently did a ton of them, you know, in the 70s. Yeah. But there's yeah. one where and like, it's the Martins and the Sinatras. And it's like they come over and, and they then, do a, <laughs> and like that's the, the Sinatras come over, and it's like, uh, you know, it's like uh, Nancy and Dina sing a song together, and Frank Junior and 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 uh, I've never seen that because that's a, I mean, it's a format that sounds like so like, you know, like Bing Crosby for years would do them like that, and you know, you've see, we, we you and I have talked about the Bing and Frank coming over together when they're fairly young and doing stuff, and. Um, I have a, a box, a tin Christmas holiday box set of like all these different public domain things and they have the Liberace. So there's a Liberace Thanksgiving special, which is amazing from the fifties. And there's the Liberace Christmas special. And it just reminded me because this is what happens. He has everybody come over and then they all sing a song. All right, here we are. Here's my band member and his wife. Well, this and he one, comes like, in and greets it, him. It would cut to them like on sound stages, but like a lot of the interaction was supposed to be Dean's house. But the literally the <laughs> last 20 minutes of the thing, like, a, yeah. like I'm talking like literally 20 minutes. 
yeah. is like they're just I guess they through the special somehow they raised money for like various uh organizations. So it's sure. like Hey Dean, don't forget about the Boy and Girls Club in Chicago, Illinois, and of course, uh, Frank, we can't forget about the <laughs> soup kitchen in <laughs> yeah. Des Moines. Yeah, Iowa. Name everything, and yeah. then like Nancy will be like, That's "Well, right, guys, Frank. we also can't forget about it." It's just they just sit there and name <laughs> like all Every these single. organizations from all over the country. Well, I guess that's, you know, they're all contractually obligated to do all that at the end and have that. I mean, and I love that format of them all like, um, I forget who else. Um, I didn't even think to go down the alley of, um, of holiday specials for us to talk about tonight because I've seen so many of them, so they all kind of blur together. But there's somebody else's, maybe like Peggy Lee or Rosemary Clooney, where it's supposed to be their house and they're inviting people over and people come over. Maybe it's a Sinatra one or maybe it's a Bing Crosby where Bing is... No, wait a minute. It's coming back to me as I talk about it. It's somebody with their kids. Maybe it's Bing, and then his brother comes over, the band leader too, and then everybody's there, and they're all singing a song, and it's like, you're like, is that really their family and kids? And like, then, I love all that. Like, and they, they're just inviting them over. And they beat the kids with a bag of oranges or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and they throw them in the freaking closet. <laughs> Don't worry, I won't leave a bruise. It'll be fine. <laughs> now sing, ba 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 boo. The kids just, you know. Ah, uh, but it's like that's the, that format. I love that old that old timely format of the um, you know. In Bob Hope, I have two box sets which I haven't really gotten into. Um, they were kind of gifted to me, and one is like the the Christmas years because how everyone knows Bob Hope, like you know, spent like you know since World War II, he'd spend every Christmas like overseas, you know, entertaining the troops. So I have one box set where it's like uh, the best of those Christmas specials with him and various other famous people he brought that year. Um, and then I have one that's like best of his Christmas specials because those things ran, uh, you know, s- people slightly older than us may remember this a little better, but I think his Christmas specials ran to like the early nineties, Bob Hopes. He'd have one a year, you know, they have like one with him and Emmanuel Lewis, like doing like a dance together or, or like, you know what I mean? Like in some other, like a Michael Jackson shows up, like you'd have near the end, you know, they had to just get everybody, you know, Bob's going to be talking to somebody else later, you know, Michael, <laughs> run DMC's coming over to play with Bob. <laughs> NWA well, is up next. Behind the scene, <laughs> behind the scenes uh, for Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers for for our listeners, um, for years we've talked about doing a Christmas special where, like, I come over <laughs> your house and we oh, sing Christmas. God, I forgot about that. <laughs> we, we were gonna we do gather around the piano and <laughs> sing a little ditty. You're really, you're yeah, you're really uh, talking some inside baseball here. We've it was in it was in de- development hell for a couple of years. This production, we were in pre-production where, you know, we were gonna um, kind of do a radio play in the style of that. Where like we start the show, and we have it like me knocking on Blake's door, Blake knocking on my door, and we have all the sound effects. So it's basically like an episode of the radio show that we start singing. <laughs> I forget who 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 pitched that, and then we're like, well, I mean, it sounds great, but that's really involved, <laughs> you know. When you think about, we're gonna have to sing, like you know, have someone play the piano as an accompaniment, and then like you know, whatever. But you know what this really makes me think of Blake? What's that, Dion? <laughs> the night when the savior came up and looked up there and sang, <laughs> yeah, I have to make sure all the carols we sing are 
public domain. <laughs> yeah, we can't do no rack around the clock or something like that. So it, it was ambitious, and you know, and then it was kind of like I got a taste of that earlier this year when I did that radio play with James Hancock and Moose Mats in the um, the Bigfoot radio play. It's like that's involved. You're biting a chunk off. That was something we couldn't hurry out in a week or two. You know, we'd have to start shooting that in the end of August. You know, and, the Bigfoot radio hour. Yeah, turn to tent that's sponsored by Saturday Night Movies Leaveovers. <laughs> so yeah, so that was something we've always thought about for years. That would be really cool for us to um to do maybe, a maybe uh, next a, year. Yeah, a st- in the style of like you know I'm bringing the Christmas tree over, or Blake's like cooking on the stove, and, <laughs> and you hear us jingling and jangling, making. Would you like a drink? Oh, you coy cat, you. <laughs> we'll get started on it. Uh, Right after the new year if, for next year. In February. We'll start a, a pre-production. So that was always something we always thought to do. And then this year, you know, we've covered so much stuff in the in the past um, all over the podcast and also um, specifically for the Christmas time. And I've tallied it up that we have technically cons- had 13 Christmas episodes that we've laid upon people over the past years. 15, well, actually, technically, they're 12 Christmas episodes. Then we have Rocky, which was kind of a New Year's episode, but it came out in December, so we can count that, so that's 13. And then if you count in the, we dropped a surprise Star Wars episode one year in December, and then we did a Podwitz sidecast about the reminiscing going into the toy box and talking about the, the, the toys we grew up with. That would make it like a 15, but I, I'd say we have 13 Christmas episodes we've done over the years. It's a lot of Christmas episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some good ones. Uh, I remember them yeah. like they were yesterday. <laughs> 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 uh, we've covered Black Christmas, um, Ernest Saves Christmas, Invasion USA, Gremlins, uh, the aforementioned Rocky. We've done the Star Wars holiday special. You're not going to get two people who like that <laughs> special more than these guys. Go listen to that. Still gets crap nowadays, uh, that poor Star Wars holiday special. Uh, we did the sidecast, the Podwitz one on the toys. We did Santa Claus, the movie. We did The Night They Saved Christmas. We did uh, Lethal Weapon. We did Die Hard. We did Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Then we did uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And the very last one, the most recent one we did was we did Batman Returns. So those were doing two or three a month for five or six years. That gets us uh, a baker's dozen. <laughs> so All right. Well, um, and a lot of those are stuff I think I would already I kind of put on a list anyway. Like I watch Emmett Otter every year, you know, and uh, I guess I used to watch uh, Die Hard every year and Leave the Weapon when I was a younger man, you know. <laughs> a lot of those are staples. Yeah, yeah. our know. our our Star Wars holiday special. We at the time when we posted it, we made the uh, the big claim two thousand sixteen that it's the only. Uh, 100% positive two and a half hour discussion. <laughs> I don't know how long it was, but I think by that point we were doing them pretty long. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, that was something too that we, uh, we, we died because we had that variety kind of format. So we talked about that a little bit and then we went right into it and we kind of were, I mean, you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't an active, I don't think we consciously set off to have that opinion. We just watched it, and then afterward we hit record, and, you know, we were both, like, pleasantly surprised. (laughs) That might have been the first time I got through it, like, since I watched it for the first time. So sitting back and watching it, uh, however we watched it, maybe on YouTube, I forget, or we had a bootleg of it. 
you know, I was like, this is as bad as everyone says it is. It's actually pretty I mean, fun and it's exciting. It's got some slow parts, but it is so, sure. it is so wonderfully bizarre in so many ways that it's I mean, hot. Art Carney, <laughs> B. Arthur, you have all these people, Harvey Corman, first. They're in the canon of the world. First appearance of Boba Fett. Um, you know, the whole life ceremony in the world of the um, Chewbacca. Wow, I forget where that is. And, the name of the planet. And there was that never explored uh, <laughs> subplot that George Lucas wanted where Han Solo was married to a Wookiee. Didn't we, did, did we talk about something like that? <laughs> that happens. And they all make appearances. Harrison Ford and um, Mark Hamill and, and Carrie Fisher all come back for this damn thing. And you're right. Some of this wacky shit. And then I forget there's implications that thread out that end up connecting to various other movies afterward uh, in the Star Wars franchise. But it, I, you know, I, I, I think we we gave that a fair shake, and um, that darn Christmas special needs a lot more love than it gets nowadays. Um, you know, especially for the time it was made in, and people forget about the era that that was kind of how the fair was at that time. It's like you know they could have just as easily put Bob Hope in there, or <laughs> Bing or Frank show up, and like you know imagine like because like Art Carney was like the proto uh, Lando Calrissian. Um, you know, he was like the, the barterer or whatever. So if you put like Frank in there, you know, and, you know, what do you want? Bubba, you know. <laughs> hey there, Chewbacca. <laughs> yeah. What do you want, baby? <laughs> I won't raise it. I text him to Tully Savalas. <laughs> Can I have Tully Savalas in there? <laughs> that would have been freaking awesome. I mean, can't you see him as Bubba? Um, like, uh, you know, you, you hadn't introduced, um, uh, what's his face yet? Uh, bu- 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 Jabba the Walkie, Bobo. <laughs> what's his name? Um, Jabba the Hut. He could have been uh, Jabba the Hut. He could have just been. I want hang- you, baby. He could have been hanging out in the cantina. He could have been singing though. Yeah, he would. He had a singing career at that time, so he could have been how insensitive, baby. Him and, him and B could have done a duet. Yeah, that would have been great together. Like some freaking polka song at the end to close out the thing. Missed, missed opportunities. Missed opportunities. When we make our movie, we're going to do that. We're going to have like, you know, um, Telly in like a, you know, his shirt's going to be opened and he's going to have like the leather jacket on from like the Warriors, one of those vests, and he's going to be in the canteen. <laughs> and he's CGI. driving the rival. <laughs> CGI, Telly Smiles. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna AI him in there, and it's gonna be like, um, you know, he's gonna be dressed like Han Solo's brother. I'm his older brother, baby. <laughs> Stavos, let's go. But anyway, oh. but we like that special a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but what we decided to do today is, uh, I guess, we're presenting each other and the audience with uh, brief lists of other holiday-related films and specials that we enjoy. Uh, that we haven't already covered on the show in a, in a, in a much less detailed-oriented uh, version of, of, of typical show. We're doing a hitting the hits, hitting the greatest hits, <laughs> kind of some holiday recommendations or some holiday yeah. uh, holiday cheer. The stuff we, we, we sometimes like to watch and, and do every year or where we'd like to talk about. And yeah, it won't be as deep as we usually go because these are just lists. So we figured, you know, instead of getting really intense and doing a particular movie, you know, we talked about doing a movie. We were just like, you know, what might be not as, uh, you know, too time consuming is we just come up with some lists. And then, you know, in typical game show format, I have not seen Blake's list. I do not know what's <laughs> on the other side of the table. The password. Nor has Blake seen mine. The password is... <laughs> Christmas. 
So, um, you know, the car, the envelopes have been sealed since, um, you know, my mom brought me to Blake's house and had me get out two blocks before and walk in the cold here. So, um, and, you know, they're letting us stay in Blake's room tonight. So we're on his bunk beds. We're up top. <laughs> Allowing the room tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're allowing the room because it's a weeknight. So we said we wouldn't be too loud. It just we're so we haven't been up here in twenty years. So you know, there's only about three, four feet of clearance between the top of the bed and the, the ceiling. So well, there's, we're kind there's, of on an angle. We'll still have De- some of Dion's uh, back skin stuck to the uh, <laughs> ceiling uh, from the Dirty Dancing episode that we watched in the basement. Yeah, that's a real deep dive. So, um, <laughs> you know, all these, you know, do you remember that? Didn't we, my, or did you have, I don't, uh, no, I didn't have a, um, a bunk bed when you, when you met me at that time. I had like a full size bed. I had a bunk bed for a while in that, in my, my room I was growing up in. And then it had that low ceiling and it had that stucco kind of, <laughs> if you got up too hard, <laughs> you know, you'd fall right off and kill stucco yourself. Stucco imprints on your forehead. Yeah, so when you wake up in the morning, you just have like, what's that on your face? Oh, it's stucco because he woke up really late and smashed his face into the... Maybe that's why kids put posters on the ceiling. I had a um, bunk bed at my dad's house when I was growing up. And I think because my brother and I kind of shared a room very briefly. Uh, and then I just had the, this bunk bed. But on the top bunk of the bunk bed, I had a bed tent. Do you remember those? Well, of course. I remember the G.I. Joe one. It would look like an army carrier. Yeah, I wanted that like. one, but of course, in typical yeah. parent fashion, you ask for it, and they get you like... They get you to knock off. <laughs> the alternative one. So mine was just like a navy blue bed tent. And I never really slept in it because the way the bed tents worked, you couldn't like tuck in the covers. Yeah, yeah. That was my big gripe with them because I wanted to get one recently. <laughs> Okay, honey, I got us a queen-size <laughs> bed, bed tent. Of what? It's the G.I. Joe troop carrier, baby. <laughs> I got this custom made on Etsy. It's fucking huge. <laughs> Look at this. You see how realistic this is? You got Cobra Commander over here and these Jeeps. And the fuck is, uh, I don't know how to put this up, though. <laughs> so, but how, so how high was the, the bed tent? Well, it went, I mean, it went to, like, the ceiling. I'm saying yeah, so it fit, so it wasn't like you could you could use it if you wanted to up there. Yeah, I mean, I would sometimes just go up there and hang out, you know, in the just, tent, just be be by myself, Fuck off. I'm have a little play time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking these J.C. Penny catalogs and I'm going up into the bed tent. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah, I always wanted a bed tent. And of course, my friend of mine who was my cousin, who wasn't really my cousin, but we called him that because we knew each other all our lives. Of course, he got everything. He had the AT-AT I wanted. He had the that Imperial Walker. He had the tank. It's son of a fucking bitch. But he had a bed tent, of course, and the kid hated it. And I'm like, you know, you are such a pe- you know, you spoiled the kid, I'm gonna, son of a, it's like I used to have to, I sleep over his house and then at like five in the morning, we'd get up every morning because he had a paper out and then it, it was expected that I would help. I'm like, <laughs> you know, you're not paying me for this. And it would happen all the time. Come on, let's get up. And then I'd have to like jump in the car with him and his dad. And uh, hey, you know, I love him, <laughs> but it's just like, you know, I never got a dime from, you know, getting up at five in the morning, but I digress. A lot of built pent up energy for that one. So I never had a bed tent, but I know exactly what those bed tents are, but you right. You couldn't tuck, you know, it sucked. So you couldn't tuck the, cause it, I guess it was clipped on, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, it was like yeah. the bed, the bottom of the bed. I mean, the bottom of the tent was the fitted sheet. Yeah. Yeah, and because there was a tent on top of it, sure, like there was, sure, you, sure. Could, you, 
you know, there was no, the covers weren't breaching the wall of the tent so that you could tuck. And when you're kids, you know, you want to be tucked in. Of course. This is why you have a whole generation of kids who freaking just, you know, they don't tuck their freaking duvet in and they got their feet <laughs> hanging out underneath. It's because of the That's bed why the tent. the kids are falling out of the bed all the time. <laughs> because of the fucking bed tent. <laughs> what, what happened to the bed tent, I wonder, too? I, wonder I don't if know. That, I, must, mean, I know they still have them. Somebody must have died. Because where the hell did they go? <laughs> I saw the, yeah, exactly, the patent went off somewhere. <laughs> I saw them, like, they used to sell them. They sell everything on TV nowadays. And who watches TV anymore? But I saw maybe two years ago or so, they were kind of hocking bed tents. You know, they looked pretty awesome. It was like, I forget what the angle was. Maybe it was a bed, uh, like, you could be like a... Maybe it was different. Like one would you'd be like a princess world. One was like a dinosaur world, and then you'd hit a button. Maybe you can project something inside the bed tent or something. Yeah, you but know, I feel like I know what you're kids. talking about. But I feel like that was just like a was it didn't wasn't a full tent. It was just no. Like it a, was kind of like a a cover an awning. It was yeah, like, it was like an awning. It was like a bed down. awning. <laughs> you just screw, you just undo it down, and then it would come down and like yeah, yeah. before you before you put the gate down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. It was something like that, and it was uh, it was some sort of awning. So it was just it, so that I remember that. But the official like it's like so many of our of these really time tested like big wheels. What happened to big wheels? You know those things were so awesome, and then now all of a sudden, you know, as we get older, we lose track of all. You're right. The people just get disinterested. They don't make things anymore. You know, you think that these would be perfectly viable options. Who would not want a bed tent nowadays? They should make adult sized. Big wheels. Big tents I would, are, I'd ride I'd, one of those around the city. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think they do. They make like, you know, big ones that kind of look like, um, you know, like your pachucos on like a bike. Like, hey, oh, <laughs> you look like a chopper. You know, it's like, you know, it's like it's you see chopper, the, the, baby. the trikes now. It's a chopper, baby. Um, you know, it's like the trikes now. Like, the, yeah. like it's kind of like an adult size, but it looks more like a tricycle than it does like it looks like a chopper like no, you I made like, like a real a plastic yeah exactly with, i want it i want my with the, the wheels the skid <laughs> when you try to start going with the the, the, the e-brake the handbrake yeah i can't tell you how many times i was ejected from my um my night rider because <laughs> they don't tell you that you don't get strapped into that thing and when you hit the e-brake you're supposed to come around and i'd be flying down a hill you hit that e-brake <laughs> <laughs> Just roll. Just yeah, you just roll. get up your <laughs> elbows and knees tuck, are all tuck and roll. Tuck and Hopefully, roll. not hit your head. <laughs> you, know, you get up, we have all the gravels on your face. Like, pff, pff, am I? Pff, uh, my 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 uh, elbow feels a little weird. So, but um, yeah, they didn't. Th- those kind of went away in the late eighties too. I feel like, you know, you got rid of the big wheels and stuff. I don't know what happened with that because that was a huge thing in the seventies into the eighties. I mean, that was like. That was huge. You had like you know Dukes of Hazard, He-Man, She-Ra, freaking. I'm sure like Casper, the Friendly Ghost. That everybody had a big wheel. Yeah. Well, you know what? We should add that to the list. We want to bring stuff back. Adult-sized plastic. Maybe you can 3D print that fucker. <laughs> 3D print a big wheel. You know, and then even with the big wheel tires, you get some. You know, you skidding. You get some momentum going. You know, and then that way, uh, you know, you can you can do it. Uh, you know, any way you want. So we have, a, we're talking about, uh, you know, I was going to say chloroforming. We're, gonna, we're talking about 3D pit and braid big wheels, but we haven't even gotten to our special yet. <laughs> talking about chloroforming somebody. Speaking uh, of chloroforming, kids, where are the bag oranges? <laughs> but uh, yes. Anyway, uh, so we've done these specials before. Well, yeah, but and, they're always uh, under the guise of the, of the sidecast. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, we've done these in the, as sidecasts before. Um, That's how we you know, started. Like I said, there's a, yeah, exactly. Um, I think we did a blues one. We did maybe like a uh, best of live albums or um, we had a couple lists, you know, some lists. Uh, lists of stuff, people, lists of uh, people love lists. Yeah, yeah, people love lists, and uh, you know, so we were giving lists of stuff, so we started doing it that way. So we figured we'd make some lists, you know, nothing, nothing fancy, I don't know, um, and it would just give us a reason to talk. So um, this is our um, Christmas lists of Christmas <laughs> stuff we watch. Stuff we this year. we haven't covered on the show yet. Yes, yes, and like I said, some of the stuff, uh, you know, like Emmett Otter or even like a freaking gremlins anything you know or saves christmas you know this is stuff that would be on the list and i feel like some of this stuff that maybe at least is on my list maybe i would pitch to go on the show had we done an episode so you know um you know so uh, maybe and maybe it will become an episode one day you know we we we, we open it up and we, we we get a little specific on whatever so yes yes yeah so um Enough of the awkward transitions. What do you got for me? <laughs> Set it up. <laughs> so I've uh, I've assembled five. Uh, I figured you would likely cover some TV specials, but uh, I decided oh, to go you with fucking smart bastard <laughs> with five movies. Okay. Um, I have a. It's a very eclectic list, spanning okay. spanning several countries <sighs> and languages. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I'll start off with uh, a little ditty about uh, Jack and Diane. No, uh, I uh, <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> this is a, a movie. Some of these, I've most of these, I've kind of discovered somewhat recently, like in the last uh, five years or so. As we've discussed on the show in the past, I was never like a big Christmas movie person. Um, yeah. and it's been like the last, my, the last 10 years of my obsession with Hallmark movies that has said, and doing this show with you that has, uh, got me more into the, into the holiday season. And, uh, before we go any further, this is 2022. Did you watch the Lindsay Lohan one? I haven't watched the Lindsay Lohan one yet. That's a Netflix one. I gave right? it a watch. That's yeah, how well, we cracked open the twenty. That's a whole season. other conversation because now... <laughs> It's like there's Hallmark movies, not there's Hallmark esque movies on like CBS yeah. on Sunday nights and on Netflix does a few of them. The whole Hallmark esque movie has become a whole thing. But to rip off uh, as we digress, uh, yeah. This next one, I'm going to uh, the way I figured I would do this. I would kind of give the summary of the movie, tell you a little bit about it, who made it, and all that stuff. But uh, this one, you got I was, a lot more info than I have. <laughs> I <was just> gonna, <laughs> that's great. Go, Blake. Go. This one is a, is a tricky one, but I'm going to uh, I'll give you a brief description. A resourceful little boy was left home on Christmas and was forced to use his wit and numerous booby traps to defend himself and his house from intruders. Now, some people may not consider it a horror film. In a traditional sense, but it is a Christmas classic. And the beauty of this movie is it is not Home Alone. It's a mm, French. I figured it, it wouldn't be. It's a French movie that has many titles, different titles. The original title is three is thirty six fifteen code Père Noël. 
Uh, other titles include Deadly Games, Style Code, Santa Claus, Game Over, and Hide It and Freak. It's what from, year are we? It's 1989, so it's actually a year before Home Alone. And I know there's a, 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 a an American movie from the late 70s or 80s called Deadly Game or Deadly Games, not yeah. to be confused, right? Okay. Uh, and uh, the similarities are so... Uh, between this and Home Alone are are so similar that the writer-director once entertained the idea of suing Fox and uh, John Hughes for stealing the idea for Home Alone, but then decided that would probably be career suicide and uh, never did. He would have got a lot of money, though, because <laughs> we personally know people who still get paychecks from Home Alone when they play every year at Thanksgiving and Christmas. So it's uh, directed, written and directed by a guy named Rene Manzor. Like I said, it's a French film. Uh, his previous film and this film were so impressive to, uh, what's her name, Kathleen Kennedy, whoever works with Lucas and uh, Spielberg. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That uh, she asked Spielberg and Lucas to watch them, and he got a job working, directing episodes of The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Uh, Which we love. Because of it. Uh, it stars his son. That's as far as he got <laughs> for that. He's like, yeah, give him a few episodes of the well, Young he, Indiana Jones. He did a lot of TV, and he, I guess he does a lot okay. of TV and stuff in France now. But uh, it stars his son, Elaine, L- L- Elaine Lalaine. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. Uh, who's is rocking the sweetest mullet of all time in this movie? Um, and uh, the son went on to be a visual effects producer and has worked on such things as The Dark Knight and Avatar and, and uh, wow. the most recent The Batman. And he's the child in it. He plays the Macaulay Culkin-esque. He plays we the Macaulay Culkin-esque thing. And the beauty of this movie is that it is so marvelously 80s, so much so that it has an original song by Bonnie Tyler in it that was written specifically for the movie. Uh, and it's a Christmas movie? Yeah, it's basically... Home Alone kind of meets Rambo. And uh, I, th- I like it. Let's I, make I, it. <laughs> I kind of feel like you would love this movie. I loved it when I first saw it. Um, the you idea- should have called me. I was like, hey, we're having a sleepover. The Come kid on over. Is, the kid is the son of, uh, I think his mom is like the heir to a heiress to like a huge department store fortune in, uh, in France. And so he lives in this giant house and the rooms are all these giant set pieces of like... You know, like craziness. It's it's really wild. And uh, his mom's like, "Don't forget." And how you have- old is he? S- I think how old is he supposed to, how to be? Like kid? maybe nine. Okay, so he's kind of youngish still. Yeah, he's not like thirteen or fourteen. No, he's definitely young. And his mom's like, "Don't forget to write your letter to Père Noël, uh, <laughs> Santa Claus." And so he's like, "Oh, I don't need to do that because I have the Minitel." Now this just goes into. You and I could do a whole episode on just this thing. Apparently, in 1978, France, some guys went to, like, the president of France and was like, hey, our telecommunication system sucks, but we could have the best telecommunication system in the in the world. And they created basically a primitive version of the internet called the Minitel that worked- Not the Minotaur. That worked via the, inter- worked via the phone lines, and it was distributed. It was free- through your telephone system. And uh, you would get like these little computer type things, like a console, and you would go, go through your phone line. And several of the codes were free and then other codes were paid. But like if you went from 3611 to 3615 
those were free codes. And 3615 was like 411. It was like the information line. So the sons, the, the kids, like, I don't need to write a letter. I'll just jump on the computer thing. I'll jump on the midtel and I'll write to Santa on there. The prodigy. <laughs> so he goes on there. And now the Minitel is also something that, like, you know, if you're at the mall back in 1989 in France, <laughs> you could, like, plug quarters into it and use it. In like, the, is it chat room yeah. or email or IMing it's like, or something? And it's like summer, there's chat room. You could read news. But a lot of it were chat rooms. And then very quickly... Of course, I got corrupted for pornography. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> people, people talking dirty. France, of all places. Yeah. <laughs> but what happens is when he goes on looking for Santa Claus on the Minotaur. <laughs> no one saw a Pepe Le Pew cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. When, when he goes on the uh, Minotaur to write Santa, it's not Santa on the other end. It's like a crazy guy who's pretending to be Santa. In like an outdoor mall, plugging the quarters in. So uh, somehow the guy, if I don't, I can't remember if the kid gives him the address or whatnot. But the kid, got, the guy goes to his, dresses up like Santa, spray paints his beard white, takes like a Santa costume and goes to like kill the kid. Now the mother goes to like some Christmas party or some work thing. So the kid's there alone with his grandfather, who's like in a, who's like an invalid, who's awesome, but he's and like in a wheelchair, like he can't get around. So this the, also sounds like us doing in the middle. Remember one Halloween we did the anthology movies, and this sounds like the episode of um, Tales from the Tales from the Crypt, right? That they also then turned into the pilot with the you know the lunatic es- escaping the asylum with yeah. Justice Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So this yeah, has yeah. shades of that as well, except for it's this kid in like this amazing, like like playground of a house. Like I'm telling you, there's like. It was like, it's, it's like uh, Silver Spoons times a thousand. <laughs> Meets Webster. <laughs> you know, or the toy. You know, you know, like, yeah, like in Silver Spoon, they had like the train and all the video games. And yeah, all yeah, stuff. sure, sure. <clears throat> but the, the thing about this movie is, unlike Home Alone, the Santa Claus, the crazy Santa Claus is legit, like disturbing and kind of creepy. And... The kid has an Achilles heel. He's not only got to protect the house, he's got to he's got to make sure his grandfather doesn't get killed. So the sure. so the stakes are huge. And it's uh it's really great. I mean it's 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 just it's a lot of fun. How did you stumble across it's, it? How did you come across it? It's genuinely touching at times. Um and it's super creepy. I don't know. Is it is it not for the faint of heart either? Is it going to turn into like a freaking um, irreversible or a uh, what's the other one? Freaking um, martyrs. You know? I, I will say that something happens that some animal lovers aren't going to love. Uh, I don't think I don't. To my recollection, it's not graphic, but uh, you know it's taboo for what we uh, for what we're used to in movies. But uh, it also when that happens, that's something that never happens in movies. Just like kids don't usually get killed in movies. So like. When that happens, you're like all fucking. It works. (laughs) John Wick in it, or you know, uh, it's like all bets are off. Assault on Precinct Thirteen, like anything. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, It uh, it came out in '89. Uh, I guess for all intents and purposes, in France, it was a failure. Um, But I think like people in Japan loved it, and then it became. What's what's the name of this again? Say the name of it again. The original title is Thirty Six Fifteen Code Père Noël. 
I think okay. the American title that you're going to find it down now is Deadly Games, which, like you said, there's already a movie called Deadly Games. Yeah. But, um, and then it felt that's the code, I guess, on your thing, right? You said, yeah, every that's like the code that's what that it sounds he, like. He dials the call Santa to call Santa. That's why one of the other titles is called Dial Code Santa, Santa Claus. Um, all makes sense now, but, uh, I, you know, that sounds I, awesome. Apparently it was like a cult, <laughs> it was like a cult thing on VHS in Europe and stuff, but still never really caught on in France. And then several years ago, uh, in 2018, the Alamo draft house does a, um, a film festival in Austin called uh, fantastic fest. And they had the U S premiere of it there. And, uh, so it started making the rounds after that on streaming uh it was on shutter when i saw it um i'd say about three years ago maybe uh two or three years ago uh, i don't know if it's still on there now but um it's uh definitely worth checking out and i don't have That's as much information awesome. about all the movies that's just a couple, a couple of the ones up front of the list i I did a little bit of research because I figured these are ones that, like, you're really probably not going to know anything about. <laughs> I have no clue. That's freaking awesome. But, um, the, yeah, check it out. I think you would love it. I'm surprised that hasn't – we haven't heard about any of that sooner. Like, that not – you know, especially being so loosely kind of connected to a Home Alone in a way or vicariously or, you know, it being Deadly Games, you know, us not kind of finding it under that alternate title or not at least seeing um, – clips of it in, in docs if it's that old 89 you know you'd think we'd see it yeah. by now and clips of it in movies and stuff apparently it had it's like it had a big screening at can yeah like in 89 and uh home alone came out like 18 months after that screening so there's really no people do think that maybe somebody that john hughes or fox somebody saw it and was in because columbus by saw it, it. but um sure yeah, it's because cool. they attributed that to the um, the the Home Alone people. They say it's it's to the uh, toolbox killers. They say, which is a whole other thing to get into. <laughs> you know, uh, very very deprived serial killers up on like the level of like Albert Fish kind of shit. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but they're like, yeah, that's how we base got the Wet Bandits from. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. You go for the toolbox killers and Wet Bandits. Yeah. You know, but, but the kid, uh, kid, that sounds great. Kid does all these like booby, and he like he, you know, he like rambles it and puts on like makeup. And <laughs> He's putting and he the up, uh, headband on Blake's showing the headband. He's, he put he put lays a bunch of uh, booby traps in the house. So, and he's only trying to knock one guy out as opposed to like a team of yeah. It's not you know it's not two guys. It's just a deranged yeah. Santa Claus. That's crazy. Just dude trying to get in the house. And is the implication that he's gonna just he's gonna try to rape the kid too? Yeah, it, there's a little bit of that because in the beginning of the movie, so this isn't too much of a spoiler because it's like in the first, it's in the beginning of the movie. He kind of sees, um, you know, it's France. So, you know, uh, I don't know what <laughs> protocol is for like, you know, public uh, Santa Claus. Uh, but he sees that like the, the Santa, like the department store style Santa Claus that the kids are telling what they want for Christmas. He's like hugging and like kissing the kids like on the cheek. So he sees that and he wants... The, like the Santa Claus is. So he sees that and he wants to become a Santa Claus. So it kind of implies <laughs> that maybe he is looking for some kind of physical connection or contact, I should say, with children at that point. There is an implication. Yeah. But uh, we don't really know for sure. We don't know what the, so the social norms are in late 80s France. 
But um, I don't even my recollection of the film because I haven't seen it since like, you know in the last couple of years is that he doesn't really even talk much in it. He's kind of silent through most of it. That's actually kind of frightening as well. That's my, so. that's my recollection. Yeah. Well, I can go with that and jump over to another similar on my list. I, my list wasn't in any particular order. I mean, I do have a number one. but um, Yeah, mine's not I, really either. Yeah. Uh, this one, if we're doing a five, the, the, there's kind of a tide I'd have here uh, because it's like an, also an honorable referent, uh, mention. First one being, like, I like there's the, uh, the Sesame Street Christmas. I'm going right down the alley. The Christmas on Sesame Street or uh, Christmas Eve on Sesame Street from 1978. And it's just something I hadn't seen until probably a good friend of mine at work had got some of his old VHS tapes dubbed to DVD. And then he gave me a copy of – I had a couple Christmas tapes um, that I used to watch my specials on that had the 80s commercials in them that my you know parents had taped off TV. He had some as well. And this was on the tape, and I had never seen this until really then. And I think I remember seeing it when I was little, but I didn't remember it really at all. And uh, for me, I like to watch it every year, especially with uh, What's-His-Face Dying recently, Bob McGrath. Yeah. The uh, Sesame Street um, person. Uh, but Mr. Hooper's in this. Uh, Will Lee. You know, all the uh, people you usually see. Jim Henson as well. Frank Oz and everybody. And it's just basically like at the beginning, it's kind of the ice capades. And uh, them doing some stuff on ice. And they take the... It's like Christmas Eve. And then they take the trip back at the beginning back to Sesame Street. And then it becomes this thing between Oscar the Grouch and... Uh, Big Bird about uh, is there really a Santa Claus and Oscar's like if there is how's it getting down the chimney so it's the old classic like Big Bird's gonna stay up all night to see if he can you know uh, see him and then you know figure it out but then you know melee happens because they don't know where Big Bird is and meantime it's intercut with these great vignettes of like Grover talking to children about Santa Claus and asking these very young kids about what their impressions of how Santa gets into the house and all that. So it's it's a lot of great early Sesame Street stuff with, again, like Mr. Hooper when it has like that really early years. And there's a subplot with Bert and Ernie, and there's also a subplot with uh, Cookie Monster. So it's very fun. So that's from 1978. If you're an old uh, Sesame Street fan, I would say, you know, go check it out. Kermit, uh, you know, starts in the beginning and end as well, which, you know, you'd see a little like back in the day on Sesame Street. But it's fun to see Kermit there hanging out. You know, he's got his hat on. He's got like a jacket. So he's hanging out on, you know. And then when they get off the train, they're at 86th Street. So I don't know if that's supposed to imply that like um, Sesame Street's up on the Upper East Side, maybe like it's over by like, you know, wherever um, the, the expensive area town is over there by the FDR. I forget the Sutton Place or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's fun. But the other tie with that spot was this thing that, you know, talking about you implications that it sounds like something else. There is a 1986 Muppets Christmas special called The Christmas Toy, which um, I think you've seen. Yeah. And it's the it's basically uh, what Toy Story ended up ripping off on. Does this ring a bell oh, for you? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We've talked about it before. Yeah, yeah I saw that. Yeah, and it's a, it's a half hour or 45 minute special and it's basically um all done with puppets and stuff and it's it's uh there is no if if, if I remember correctly uh Kermit the Frog is not in it but it's just a Jim Henson Muppets kind of show special and it's called the Christmas Toy and it's basically about uh, you know, a toy, this tiger who's basically Woody is getting, you know, the, they know next day is Christmas Day and he's going to be the number one toy. And the older toys, they're trying to explain like, you know, you got to remember every year, you know, we get new toys. And then what happens is they go down to see what the toy is and they have to sneak down there. And if you get caught by the parent, you go frozen and you fall and then you die forever. So there's this like 
kind of like other shoe dropping, like you can't let the people see you moving or get caught out because if you do, you'll freeze and die forever. And then when they go downstairs, they open the box and there's this female kind of like um, She-Ra bad guy girl, which is basically that dude that shows up in Toy Story 2 and 3, the arch nemesis to, um, to, to Buzz Lightyear. So there's so many implications to it being just like a live ad, a live version of Toy Story, but I guess maybe because uh, I don't, you know, I don't know the trajectory of Pixar. What they when they acquired Pixar, and then when they acquired the Jim Henson estate, Disney and stuff like that. Maybe they were like, "Hey, let's take this and develop this into Toy Story." So, but uh, it's a fun special if people hadn't seen it from 1985 called The Christmas Toy. I'm sorry, 86, 86. Let's see, where should I go next? Well, we just had something kind of dark, so I'll talk about a. Uh, <laughs> 2019. Well, it's good you picked movies. Yeah. Uh, as everybody knows here, I'm a big uh, romantic. I'm a rom-com fan, uh, <laughs> not just Hallmark movies. But uh, actually, you know what? Let's do that one first because it's Hallmark. I figured I, at least one Hallmark movie should be represented today. Why? Tell them, Blake. Be- Tell them you're... Um... <laughs> No, I mean, I don't mean that to, like, ingest. I mean, like, explain the backstory for listeners who might have not heard this, you know, before. Well, I just, I, over the years, I've I've just kind of uh, become a fan of Hallmark movies. I just, uh, they're easy. I've always equate them to, like, it's eating, it's like eating cotton candy for dinner. Because, like, you don't even need to chew it. That's, like, how, <laughs> that's how easy it is to digest. Sure. Um, it, you know, those movies have the, as little amount of conflict as you can have in a movie and still have it be like a narrative movie. <laughs> like a forward trajectory. Um, there's a, often a formula to it, but I, for some reason I just connect with it. Uh, it's just, uh, they make me feel good. And uh, honestly, if I was going to be completely honest with myself and everybody, like my dream job would be to like move to Vancouver and make Hallmark movies. But uh, so I thought it was important to represent uh, at least one Hallmark movie on the list. So what better Hallmark movie to uh, represent to to put on the list than one with Bruce Campbell, my uh, my hero and my favorite actor? <laughs> I think I've seen this. So uh, the 2021, and he actually had another one this year, which I watched, which was called like something like a Southern Family, Southern Holiday, Holiday Southern Family or something, or Southern Family Holiday, which was very good. I will say that this Bruce Campbell ones, there's only two so far. The Bruce Campbell Hallmark movies are some of the only Hallmark movies that genuinely I get choked up at. And it's because usually... Campbell gets choked up, and that <laughs> that then in, in turn get, plays in my heartstrings. But it, his first Hallmark movie was a movie called One Night December from 2021. He and uh, Peter Gallagher, the actor, he they play a uh, a music duo who they were childhood friends who became a famous music duo, a la maybe. Simon and Garfunkel type stuff. And uh, 10 years ago, they had a falling out where I, if my, I haven't seen this one yet this season, although it was on today, which was made me think like, I should talk about this movie today. It's a sign. <laughs> it's a sign, damn it. <laughs> 
uh, I feel like, you know, Peter Gallagher was going through some stuff, maybe an alcoholic stuff. I can't remember. But I think he, like, walked off of a concert, and then they just never talked again. Uh, and they split up, and Peter Gallagher kind of became a res- recluse, and he just kind of locked himself in his house, his family house, like, that goes back generations, called Big Red, which I think is a little bit of a... A, a little bit of a, an homage or nod to the the band, who had a, a house called I think called Big Pink, um, which one of their first albums was called like Songs from Big Pink or Music from Big Pink. I'm kind of blanking on that at the moment. I apologize. And, but uh, Campbell went on to kind of have a solo career. So ten years later, for some reason, they both signed on to do a, a Christmas special, live from Big Red, live from Peter Gallagher's house. And uh, Bruce Campbell's son is his manager. And uh, Peter Gallagher's daughter, who Hmm. he's been estranged from, she has something to do with the show. I can't remember if she's helping to produce the show. And so she ends up getting kind of uh, told by her boss that you need to go down and you got to make sure this thing goes off without a hitch. So, of course, the same old stuff that the the problems they were having earlier, Bruce Campbell and Peter Gallagher, they continue. Peter Gallagher doesn't want to do their most famous song, which he wrote, which was called One Night in December, because it has bad memories. Um, Of course, their kids, who are kind of the lead characters in the movie, they're old childhood friends who haven't talked basically since their dad stopped talking. They kind of find that they could manipulate the other one's dad better than they can manipulate their own dad. Because, you know, like, Bruce Campbell goes, is going to be nicer to Peter Gallagher's daughter, who he remembers from being a little girl, than he might be to his own son, or at least listen to her more. And uh, so then, of course, romance ensues between the two kids, those two crazy kids. And... Uh, we, we, some things are revealed as to why Bruce Campbell and Peter Gallagher are doing this concert that I don't want to give away. I don't want to spoil it. Uh, it I, I started crying, right? <laughs> I saw this when it came on the night it premiered. And yeah, that part when they the revealed why, what's going the on. The reason why Campbell was just like, it's genuinely tear jerking. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's horrifying. I mean, it's not horrifying, but it's just so sad. It just takes this serious note. Um, it's, such a, it's good. I, it's so enjo- It's very enjoyable. And of course, I'll, you know, as the animal knows, I will watch. Any number of horrible things that Bruce Campbell's in, uh, but you this one, to. I would say, is not horrible. It's 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 not the greatest movie ever made, but it's definitely enjoyable. It's worthwhile, and it's a Christmas movie starring Bruce Campbell. I mean, what else do you need? And Peter Gallagher. I mean, come on. Yeah, Peter Gallagher's great. Yeah, I passed him in a green room one time. I was like, hey, Peter Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> His wife was doing something. Who was I? Forget who he's married to, but she was on something. Uh, yeah, I, I loved it. I watched that last year when it was on. That was on, and then there was that uh, Christmas in Tune, the John Schneider, Reba McIntyre movie. So I was like all into these, these, uh, <laughs> these Hallmark movies. So I watched that, and then the, um, the one, Dece- one night in December, and then I got into it, and then I watched like two. We found ourselves like two evenings straight watching Hall- like seven Hall- Hallmark movies in a row. Yeah, one, you know, we just left it on, and then one starts, the other starts, and you're like, and yeah. you're getting right into it, and you're like, like this is flowing, and you're, you know, <laughs> like once like, November first hits, it's like twenty four hour. Christmas movies until like January 10th. Yeah. 
And now these Pluto TV, they have these entire channels of uh, Christmas channels going all over. You know, so you have like three different channels. And then now you're saying Netflix is getting in the game. So this year when I heard, you know, Lindsay Lohan has one out, I said to the wife, I was like, hey, let's go watch the Lindsay Lohan one tonight because it was November. And she's like, great idea. And it just came out and that kind of popped the season off. And I'm like, they're all kind of like, you're right. They're taking this kind of beloved format. And now everyone's kind of replicating it because they realize they can do it. And there's not yeah. a real... You know, well, it's like doing a MGM musical. I will say that this one having like the Peter Gallagher, Bruce Campbell characters in it, not just them as actors, but those characters like definitely switch, like f- definitely changes the formula uh, yeah. than the standard Hallmark movie, which is just like guy and girl meet. Although I just watched one with a gay couple. So that was, that's nice that they're starting to do that. Uh, yeah. two, two gay dudes instead of a instead of a, a girl and a guy, but uh, but the formula is like they meet. There's friction for some re- stupid reason that nobody really understands, and then they start to fall in love. Third act misunderstanding. Somebody overhears something or is told something, <laughs> and, and it'll put everything in jeopardy. <laughs> and, and everything's in jeopardy for about thirty seconds until the movie yeah. ends, and then they kiss. Roll credits, and then and then you know they're going to live happily ever after, and. Willow's Creek or whatever, Hallmark or some Town. sort of. I call it Hallmark. I call yeah. it Hallmark Town and New Hallmark City. Those are like the two <laughs> <laughs> locations for Hallmark movies. Uh, the, yeah, it, it, I mean, they're great. I mean, I can't believe how amazing they are and just cheerful and uplifting. It's like that's kind of like don't go on antidepressants. Just watch some Hallmark movies, kid. You know, and you'll be <laughs> fine. You know. Uh, and then it's just how popular they are. You talk to like you know girls or women at work or people like yourself who are into them, and that's a common ground people have now. I mean, people like watching Hall, and you can't you know, I, I'm sure people can't name you know five of them, but it's like you know you remember oh it's I've seen half a dozen of them with you yeah. know because they have well, you know those kind of level stars yeah. in it. Like yeah, yeah, you know Lacey Chabert, Jennifer Love Hewitt, or somebody. Or, yeah. <laughs> As a whole, yeah, you know, I, I had no idea that they were as popular as they are, and because I just was watching them, I thought I was like in my own little bubble. And then it turns out they have yeah. cr- Chris; they have their own conventions, Christmas shit, con, really? Christmas con, which I will go to one of these days. <laughs> I'll go with you. That'd be amazing. You, <laughs> we're all you the- were telling me the format with the there's like a writing team and there's a schedule, and you know, um, you know, it's it's kind of like a uh, it's like getting on like a. Uh, a Broadway play or a tour, you know, you have to get on, you know, or like a Saturday Night Live. It's like, you know, a lot of these people do it. That's like their their companies specialize in doing these, these, yeah. you know, writing, directing teams, production companies. So there's a schedule to them to get them out because they got to be out by, you know, Christmas or whatever year you're shooting for. Yeah. So anyway, that's really cool. What's, what's um, next on your list? I don't know. Geez. The, the, now my left is getting depressing because I just picked TV shows. I like there's a show, cartoon from 1974. This was on the Christmas tape back in the day, the 80s Christmas tape that we uh, I just brought up a little while ago. Uh, one, 19, one night, 1985, it, it was like Charlie's Brown's Christmas, and then it went into this, was the next one on that night, and it's called Twas the Night Before Christmas. Or no, just called Twas the Night from 1974. It's one of those um, Rankin and Bass, you know, Jules Bass and Arthur Rankin kind of junior kind of um, cartoons where they did a lot of the stop motion stuff. You know, you'd see some of the stuff that you'd see like with um, Frosty the Snowman or, or um, with Burl Ives and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Santa Claus is coming to town. You'd see that stuff. But then they did a lot of cartoon stuff too. And this is one of the cartoons. And this is the one where it's, if people can put on their thinking caps, 
it has that style of animation from back then that 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 look they had from the company but it's where they had the clock tower the trundles and the the father had made the clock tower to get uh santa somebody that they had mice that lived in their in their house and the mice they had one of uh, the kid was a smart aleck he's a little boy genius he wrote a letter to santa claus saying you're a myth you're a fraudulent myth and all that and he's voiced by joel gray and um there's a couple of other famous people in it that are like, you know, TV people from the 60s and 70s who lent their voices. So because of that, Santa's pissed. So he's turned back all the Christmas letters from this town, Junctionville. And uh, it's kind of harsh because you think like, Santa, you shouldn't be being mean, taking it out in the whole town. You know, you should just be penalizing this kid. But I think Santa's trying to make a lesson here. So the father who lives in the house with the, with the mice family as well, he, the, the, the human father has his family who's upset. So he's a clockmaker to Trundle. So he says, I'll make the town square clock play, you know, Santa Claus, here comes Santa, we need you today. And then Santa goes by, I'll hear it, and want to come and give everybody presents. But then on the day that he's going to, the, the mayor signs off on it, he, he hot wires Doc Brown style the clock, and the day they're going to show it to the town to have them hear what Santa's going to hear, the whole clock kind of just blows up and goes kaplooey. And everyone's pissed and like, you didn't you do enough, uh, Trundle? You fucked it all up and Santa's not coming. <laughs> you you the clock tower. Yeah, you asshole. And he's like, I didn't know. <laughs> then that night you go down to, to, the, to the mouse father, and the mouse father, who's kind of like a, you know, he's a, uh, a foil of the, f- of the other father. He's a little mouse guy, and he's a little clockmaker. He's like, I'm so sorry. My, I just got out of my son. He went and fucked it up. He's the one who went and, you know, trying to jerry-rig. So, the, you know, they got two seconds left, and the, the, the mouse, he goes, he, the father goes to the kid. He's like, you ruined it all, and, he's, and he gets the kid to believe in Santa. And he has this epiphany. He's like, you're right. I can fix this. So he goes, and he fixes the clock. And the clock, right at the last minute, he's able to get it to play at midnight. And as Santa's going by, it plays it. And it goes into the Clement Moore story, you know, where the father, uh, the human father, when Santa comes, you know, he starts reciting the Clement Moore tale. It was the night before, because all through the house, nothing's stirring. And then he kind of recites when Santa comes down, Merry Christmas to all and to all, good night. So um, this was something that got a lot of air in the 80s, but then I feel like it kind of fell off and not a lot of people have seen it. But people our age may remember it, and it's on a lot of Christmas tapes. You know, so I grew up watching it because every you know year we'd pop the Christmas tape in, and this was wedged between Frosty the Snowman and the Grinch. And Charlie Brown was this. Twas the night from 1974. Yeah, that's something I haven't thought yeah. about. But you recognize it, right? Yeah, as, like the, as yeah, you yeah. were explaining it, I was like, I was seeing, like, I was being flooded by imagery <laughs> from it. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, I do remember that. As you were explaining, it, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. The Mouse Family and. Yeah, yeah kind of like the Littles, you remember that show? You know, the Littles show? Yeah, yeah it's like, kind of like I that. I thought so. about that one in a long time. And a lot of this stuff is, now we have the, um, you know, these these young whippersnappers are spoiled rotten these days. So, you know, it's like I'm still making mixtapes. And you can just go on YouTube online. You can find whatever the hell you want. <laughs> I know. No, you don't need to have that bootleg anymore. So if you go on YouTube, you can find uh, this and, you, you know, along with, you know, three, four dozen other shows that you've completely forgot about that back in the day. You couldn't have access to unless you got a bootleg of it. They played it, or you knew somebody like we did who made it, made a dupe, or had a copy of it on original VHS. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, there's a blast, yeah. f- f- flashback there, blast from the past. <laughs> uh, my next one is uh, completely other end of the spectrum from that. Uh, it's a uh, Spanish, I believe it's a Spanish-Italian co-production from 1995 called The Day of the Beast. <laughs> and uh, 
I think you would. I think you would love this movie, also, Deanna. So if you haven't seen it yet, you should check it out. It's kind of like a black, like a dark comedy, um, with a fantastic cast of people we, you know, we don't recognize because you know we're not we don't live in Spain. But um, uh, in a nutshell, the uh, the uh, summary is: uh, in order to avoid the destruction of the world. A priest decides to go to Madrid on Christmas Eve and commit as many sins as possible as to sell his soul to the devil to destroy the Antichrist uh, and to save the world. Oh, uh, fuck. To, uh, he teams up with a black heavy metal, a black metal aficionado and an Italian uh, TV like uh, psychic. Like uh, he has like a show where he would tell you your future, but he's all about the occult. He teams up with these two guys, and uh, that sounds great. <laughs> and now he must become an unrelenting sinner. Uh, is there still hope? Uh, basically, he he's a uh, he's like a uh, uh, like a professor, or a, he studies at a university, but he's also a priest. But he's studying like the 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 Bible and stuff for. Uh, the Latin version, looking for things in it. And he discovers like this code in it. And he, he he believes he's found the date of the birth of the Antichrist, which is Christmas Day, like three days from now. (laughs) Oh, the three days to come. Yeah, like three days when, Like, like he's got three days. Or like two days or something like that. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Not, it's not like he found it. It was on Christmas Day. It was. It's going to no. be on Christmas coming He's, up. It's like it's coming. You know, it's in a couple of days from now. So, and what he, year is this movie? Nineteen ninety-five. Okay. And uh, he decides. This is very proce- prophecy. You know? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he prophecy. He he decides that he needs to become a sinner, and he's going to commit as many sins as he can, so that the devil will come to him. And basically entrust him with the information of the location of where the Antichrist is going to be born so that he can then kill it. But he, and like, he's trying to do it like incognito and then he's going to kill it and save the world. So he goes to Madrid because at the time, 1995, like Spain and Madrid was like going down the tubes, you know, like economically. And there's a lot of things going on. And so he decides... It's gonna it's gonna be in Madrid. So he goes to Madrid and is You mean just how bold this plan is of his? I mean, what happens <laughs> if this is you know, he's got a lot of trust and comes September twenty sixth and he just did all these atrocities and he's like, ah, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, well, like it, it's funny because like it's like he only got like it's like by the time he gets to Madrid, it's like he's got twenty four hours. You know, like you should you'd have been started sitting a long time ago. But it's like he goes and he takes the he takes the money out of like a homeless guy's cup. And then he sees like a mime, and he pushes the mime like off a le- like off the ledge he's on, and he falls down the stairs into the subway. And uh, the guy, but it's who- still like low level stuff. It's like this. That's what's happening in New York City right now. It's like there's nothing. <laughs> like you know, it's like he's well, it really got up his ante. It is a black comedy. He does go to a guy yeah. who's he oh, come, He stumbles upon a uh, a uh, a car accident, and the police call and like. You see him, they see an exchange, you don't hear what he says, but it's like they want, you can tell they want him to give like the last rites to this guy that's going to die on the stretcher. And he goes over and the guy's like, you know, father, it's in Spanish, but he's like, father. And uh, he then like steals the guy's wallet 
and he whispers in the guy ear, guy's ear, like, I hope you burn in hell. And then he walks away. Um, and the guy's like, what? And then he dies because because he's because of shock. <laughs> but the uh, the guy is so that's so horrible. <laughs> it's directed by a guy named Alex de la Iglesia. And the uh, the guy who plays the priest, his name is Alex Angulo, and he's so good in it. It's kind of like a very Buster Keaton-esque uh, performance. He's very straight-faced the whole time. It's very matter-of-fact. It's very funny. He goes into a heavy metal shop looking for records, like heavy metal records that have like satanic messages to play backwards. And the guy who runs the shop just like likes him because they have the similar taste in music he thinks and uh that guy the guy who plays him is uh santiago segura who if you saw him you might recognize him and stuff he's played like bit parts in guillermo del toro movies um he's played like heavies in some american stuff no, no like huge parts in american films but you might recognize him if you saw him, his face but uh so he ends up going on this quest with the with this priest to do this and it's a very much a uh, Don Quixote, Sancho Panza type uh, relationship where like the priest has gotten Don Quixote with like this, this crazy idea. And uh, the black metal guy is very much just like very dedicated, loyal <laughs> sidekick in all this. And uh, they decide that they need to kidnap the guy from the television who knows about the occult and, uh, and they end up kidnapping him, injuring him, trying to get him to tell them how to conjure the devil because he wants to sell his soul to the devil. And uh, just a lot of wackiness ensues. And it's really well made. It's The script is very clever. The performances are all really great. And uh, it's not a tr- obviously not a Christmas movie in the traditional sense, but it is like the basically the whole movie takes place on kind of Christmas Eve by the time he gets to Madrid. And it's like the 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 baby's going to be born at midnight because the, the whole point of the, the a lot of the stuff that's saying in the movie is that like the, the Satan the devil is going to he mimics the Bible he mimics he's going to mimic Jesus so he's going to be born on Christmas Eve so he's born like they say he's going to be born midnight Christmas Eve but they need to kill it before dawn to save to kind of save the world so it's like them trying to figure out where in Madrid it's going to be born. And like running around town and, hang, and like hanging off right. of buildings, <laughs> and like madcap craziness. So he is he admitting to he can't? I don't know. You'd have to go. In, I'm looking a little too deep into this, but is he not admitting to himself what he's doing so the devil won't know what he's thinking? At this point, he's so committed, he's not telling people behind his back that he's. You know what I mean? Is he? Is there a conceit there? Does the does the metal black metal death metal or black the metal guy know? what his plan is or he's on board thinking that he's going to conjure the devil up to help him do something or does he know at the end the end game is to try to beat the devil at his own game or he doesn't really know the devil like De Niro or somebody cool (laughs) I don't want to give too much away about it because I think it's definitely one that uh, people should check out it's it's um, it's a really there's like a a English dubbed VHS version on YouTube but uh, you can see it in like widescreen and nice looking on um on some streaming services that with subtitles, uh, the, uh, the, the black metal 
sidekick. I don't think he know he doesn't know the plan that he's like committing all these sins. He just knows that like he needs to help the priest conjure the devil so that they can go. And he like the 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 heavy metal guy is a Satanist and like way into heavy metal and um but he's just uh a brilliant performance as like just this like undyingly loyal like sidekick to this guy who he just meets. And what's the name of this again? Uh, it's called The Day of the Beast. The Day of the Beast from 1996, 95? 95, 95. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And that's I, I'm sure it's available somewhere. So you're giving these unique, you know, nice. If you're looking for something different, <laughs> check out this. Well, th- that's why the two our two lists are good, because they're getting some rare television <laughs> stuff, if that's what they're in the mood for. Or yeah. they can... Uh, Dive a little deep into uh, some international cinema if they want something uh, kind of off off the uh, beaten path, but uh, and weird. Both both yeah. the French movie and this movie are pretty weird, but uh, yeah, but they're like in the spirit. They're in the you know they're kind of like a you know like a not a traditional like a diehard or something it's like not a traditional kind of a, a way of doing it. But yeah. they're certainly within this you know yeah they definitely the arena. The, I think the first one's a little more festive. The thirty six fifteen. Code Paranuels, slightly more festive than this one, but it's definitely yeah. Christmas Eve, and you know they're so they're running around in Madrid during Christmas, so it's there's a there's a lot of that, and the the birth of the Antichrist is supposed to happen to mimic Jesus's birth, so you know it's definitely there. The Christmas connection is definitely there. I don't know why it keeps reminding me of um, Prince of Darkness or some sort of like weird kind of, a, you know, <laughs> that, scary <laughs> in the mouth of madness meets Prince of Darkness, that era. You know, it's I mean, it is the era. It's but. definitely that. It's the Antichrist, right? It's the anti-God. Yeah. Um, uh, the yeah. prophecy. I, both these movies, um, I watched, I rewatched Day of the Beast last night, kind of in preparation of this, because I couldn't remember things. I was like, why is he sitting again? And. There was just like all this stuff, and I was like, "Oh man, you know what? I'll watch it because I haven't seen it for a couple." This was another one that I maybe discovered like two years ago. Yeah, um, I think maybe Joe Bob did this one, but not for Christmas, just on the the Shutter Show. I think that's might be how I discovered this one, and uh, I just remember I really loved it, and uh, so I decided to watch it again, and it and it held up on a second viewing. It's genuinely entertaining and nice. funny and enjoyable. Nice. Well, it certainly sounds awesome. So we should sh- people should check that out and see if they can locate that, track that down. And it's certainly unique viewing for this festive season. Um, let's see. My next one is uh, something I remember watching uh, um, as a very small child, and, and then I never saw it again. And then uh, I ended up meeting my wife, and it's a staple over in England. And then that's how I knew how I I knew it. <laughs> Uh, it's called The Snowman. You remember this thing? It's from 1982. It was nominated for an Academy Award. And, uh, is it based on a book? Like a book? Cause I'm the, yeah. The picture I'm seeing, I can see the, the yeah, imagery like a, of it. And it's really weird how they animated it. It's kind of almost like... It's done as a cartoon, but it's done like it's off a storybook. And it's basically about this uh, by uh, this uh, author named Raymond Briggs. 
and he wrote a book. And then when they re-released the, the short, uh, David Bowie is in the re-release as the narrator of it, or at least at the beginning. And I had seen it as a kid, and what made the impression on me when I was really little when I saw it, it's like the kid goes to bed, he makes a snowman in the back of the yard, and then he goes to bed. And, and if I remember correctly, there's no dialogue in it. It's all like sound effects and, and to orchestration. And he goes to bed, the, the snowman comes alive, and then the snowman takes him on this journey flying around. And then when coincides with this journey, you have this song, uh, Walking in the Air, which became a hit in Britain in the early. You know, we're walking in the air. I can't go that very high. But it, it, him flying over in the style of animation, which is very almost like, it looks almost like stop motion. Stop motion in the sense of like the frame rate is off. So it is completely animated like a children's storybook. So it looks like a cartoon, but the frame rate makes it look like it's almost being projected. It's like there's a flutter to it, a flicker. Yeah. And I remember there's like they make a motorcycle like out of snow in it or they do something with a motorcycle or maybe they get on a mo- motorcycle. So because of that, I always remember that, the motorcycle thing particularly. And then I hadn't seen it in like all these years. And it was just this weird memory I had watching in New Haven when I lived, like, you know, when you're like under four or five uh, late at night on something. And then, you know... Uh, uh, meet my wife and you know her being English this was something that was on over there so I must have caught it uh, it was nominated for an Academy Award for the best maybe animated short in, in 1983 so maybe they aired it over here for some reason at that point and then it never reared again so uh, I like that it's a nice little fun thing and it's cool how it's done because it's a short it's only like I think 25 minutes or something like that there's no dialogue there's just music and orchestration and stuff and it's really cool so yeah yeah, I think oh, I, like sure. I said I think I can I can see the imagery from it. I don't know if I know it from the book or yeah, or if I saw the special at some point in my youth, and it's one of those just like memories that's just like hiding yeah. in, the back, in the back of my brain. It's like somewhere. a little kid, and he's got like he's got like kind of reddish hair, and and then you know he's kind of stylized looking, and then the snow—it's just the snowman with a hat on, and then like it's not yeah. a top hat. He's kind of like got a little like almost like a fisherman's cap on. You know, and then they go flying around, and it's yeah. like all over. And it's really cool how they did it because it almost, when they go up into the air, it almost looks like they rotoscoped it a little bit or something. Maybe that was the style. So it looks like they're going over the terrain and the ground at night in like England and stuff like that and stuff. So, yeah, it's fun. It's one of those, like I said, it's one of those things where, you know, you hadn't thought about it in so many years. And then when it clicks on, you're like, holy fuck, what the hell? Yeah. This, is, this is really going down the alley. Well, uh, so speaking of England, we'll go to England yeah. for my my next pick. And in fact, I'll make this one a. Uh, I too had an honorable mention, and I'll just honorably mention that honorable mention at the end of this one. But uh, a movie that I kind of fallen in love with in the last uh, since 2019 when it came out was um, Last Christmas, which is uh, a romantic comedy uh, based on oh, the no. Wham song. I think uh, I think I know this movie too. <laughs> it stars Amelia Clark from uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, Henry Golding, who I think is in the uh, Crazy Rich Asians, maybe, um, and he was he was in that um, that that Snake Eyes movie that uh, they okay made, they made Snake a, Eyes a couple years yeah ago that um, came and went. Emma Thompson's in it plays uh, Amelia Clark's mother, and she's also one of the writers of the movie. And uh, Michelle Yeoh is in it as Amelia Clark's. Uh, boss and uh the imdb description is uh kate is a young woman subscribed to bad decisions working as an elf in a year-round christmas store is uh not good for the wannabe singer however she meets tom there her life takes a new turn 
uh, for Kate, it seems too good to be true, which makes it sound very ominous, but it's not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's a completely different movie. But she's a woman who was like always made kind of bad decisions. And at some point, uh, you know, uh, she had some kind of accident and she did a heart transplant. So her mom, who um, I don't know, remember where she's from. It might be from... uh, it's somewhere in the, in the Eastern Europe or some Slavic country and is a very, like, worried, like, doting mother. But uh, because she, she thinks, you know, she's worried about it because Amelia Clark's character is, you know, not well, or at least in her mind she is not well. And uh, it's directed by Paul Feig, who uh, did Bridesmaids and uh, some other things. Like I said, it's uh, co-written by Emma Thompson. And uh, it's just a... Uh, a very lovable uh, romantic comedy. There's a little bit of a twist in there, but uh, is uh, a little bit. And I'll uh, tell you, this is a, <laughs> this was a tearjerker. For this was something where it's I, a tearjerker I, I for me too. I forgot why I saw it. I maybe I don't know if the wife saw it and she was watching and she wanted to show it to me or whatever. Uh, or but I forget. Was it a Hallmark movie or no? Did it, just it was come just out? it was like a it was a theatrical release. Although I didn't see it. Then that. Because uh, that reminds me, there's one that came out last year that we watched, which was really cool with, um, uh, what's her name from um, the Austin Powers movies? She's really good looking still. Um, Mimi uh, Rogers? Uh, no. Elizabeth um, Hurley. Yeah, Elizabeth Hurley's in it. Uh, what's his face from Frasier's in oh, it? Oh, yeah, it's all these that's people. on Netflix. I've, I've you know about, that? And I've it was a about. really good movie. It's really fun, but it's like this English-American co-production kind of a thing in a way. And it's you know, So it's like these off-the-wall movies you watch, and they're really good. And that, this movie we're speaking about here, um, Last Christmas, like you know, it builds up, and it's just this great... At the ending, there's this climax where everything comes together, and you have these realizations, and it's just... Oh God, it's so heart wrenching. Yeah, yeah, um, but it's, a, it's and a, I can't really talk about it really at all without yeah. you know divulging anything. <laughs> yeah, you know, which is sad, but it's definitely it just worth hit me really out. deep. It's uh, it's definitely yeah. it's very romantic. It's fun, um, and then the audible mention that I'll throw in on this pick is just because it's also a kind of a British movie, and it's not reason why it was kind of an honorable mention, and I didn't know if I was going to put it on the list is because it's not technically a prince a Christmas movie, though it is a Christmas movie is. Um, the movie about a boy from 2002 with Hugh Grant, uh, his, he plays this, um, uh, guy who doesn't really do anything for a living. Cause his dad wrote one hit song, which was a Christmas song. And so he just kind of like lives off the royalties of that. And, uh, he's kind of slimy in the beginning and he, he discovers that, um, he has a theory that he discovers this theory that like if he dates single women, no, single mothers, that he gets like the best of everything because they're not really looking for anything serious yet because they're too worried about the kid. And but yet he gets to have sex with them and, and stuff. And then it's like kind of an easy out. So he ends up going to he's trying to figure out like who where can I meet single moms? And he sees a thing for like a support group for single parents. <laughs> so he goes there yes. and make and makes up that he has a son. Um, but uh, through this, he ends up meeting this weird little boy named Marcus, who's played by Nicholas Holt, who's a fantastic actor now as an adult. He's in the show, the great, he was in Mad Max Fury road. Um, he, he played beast in the X-Men first class and, 
and those movies. Uh, he make he picks very interesting projects now as an adult, but he's a little boy in this in the, and he's great. And so they end up forming this friendship. And uh, in a nutshell, like you know, uh, Hugh Grant becomes like this father brotherly figure that he never had because he has a single mom who's all screwed up, who's played by Tony Collette. And uh, and at the same time, the little boy kind of teaches him how to you know, let people in and how to be like a real person and how to care about something other than himself. And it's a beautiful kind of film with a little bit of romance in there. And, uh, it takes, and there's like throughout the course of the movie, two Christmases happen. So that's why it ends, it ends at Christmas. And then there's a Christmas in the kind of more towards the beginning. And then his father wrote that Christmas song. So Christmas is a bit of a theme through it, although it's not technically really a Christmas movie. But that's one that, like, every time it's on, like, I'll just leave it on and watch it because I just think it's – I think I, I think that one's the bee's knees. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that movie. Yeah, I saw it once, and it's it's very memorable. It's definitely worth watching as well. Um, and then I have not seen The About the Boy. Um yeah. That's something I've seen. I know the cover because when I worked at the video store – or what year is it? You said 2002? Two, yeah. Yeah, so then I do remember the cover of it, but I just yeah, you know, it's like the, the two A of them. Section. It's like the two of them sitting on the couch, like watching TV, or at least yeah, that's yeah. that's that's one of the covers. But uh, yeah, that was just a little. Uh, I still have one more, but that was just a little, a little uh, honorable mention for the British um, section of the of the category <laughs> <laughs> of the curriculum. Um, I've got one that's just a throwback where it is. Um, uh, you know, like it's, I guess for me, it is a, colle- um, kind of a summation of all those old TV shows I like, you know, like the Honeymooners or Jack Benny and stuff like that. And I, I've kind of regaled before how I love that there's a show ca- uh, called Car 54, Where Are You? It only lasted two seasons by this guy named Nat Hyken, who also did the Phil Silver show, which became known as Sergeant Bilko and it was syndicated. And he had this little madcap show called Car 54. Where are you? It's in 1960-61. Uh, Fred Gwynn. <laughs> and? And Al Lewis. And uh, Joe E. Ross. And uh, it's funny because Fred Gwynn and Al Lewis, we know, would, and Nipsey Russell as well, isn't it? Among a, lo- a bunch of other uh, character actors. But Fred Gwynn and Al Lewis, this is before them going on to do the Munsters together. And then Joe E. Ross is someone who we would, kids our age might know as a voice actor he used to be like ooh ooh and he was on that hair bear bunch there was a cartoon that oh, was yeah. took place in like the you know the zoo with the hanging out in the whatever zoo and it's trying Han- to get away Hanna from Barbera? the park rangers yeah that was Hanna Barbera fair where like they had like maybe the Wonderland Zoo where they had like a really nice pad the three bears one had an afro but then when the park rangers came they'd have to hit the button and hide everything and it turned into like just looking like a caveman you know so he was one of the voice actors on there but it's a very funny show this is back in the day when they used to actually like in the 50s and 60s shoot stuff like like shows like that in New York there was a studio in the Bronx and a very uh, memorable forget- very memorable theme song yeah, yeah, exactly. And then they made a movie in the 90s that ended up, they shot it, and then it, like, sat on the shelf for, like, a year or two, and then by the time they finally released it, it was, like, a complete dud, and it had, like, um, what's-his-face in it? Uh, Buster Poindexter, that oh, actor yeah, from yeah, the, David you know, him. Right. Yeah, and then the other guy, too, that was, a, he's usually, he's in Scrubs, but he's known, he used to be, like, a bad guy. He was, like, in Platoon, and he's in, like, a Steven Seagal movie and stuff like that. Well, but it was a, uh, that show was, if I recall correctly, for our childhood, was kind of a staple of Nick at Night. 
Yeah, that was on one of the one of those those shows that like at eight o'clock when Nickelodeon would go into Nick at Night, you know, Donna Reed show or whatever they, they would have uh, Car Fifty Four on, and it's just such a funny, well done show. I mean, it's not as silly as some of the other shows of the era get. You know, I mean, um, you could compare it to a Munsters, and uh, I've been watching a lot of Munsters these days, the show and stuff in the past five six years because it's always on, and that's a show that's just so great because it's not as out there as say like an Adams Family, where it's kind of like really kind of weird as well where the monsters the whole point of that show is they just look like that and it's just trying to show you like they're just a it's a regular sitcom that could just be dennis the menace or hazel or whatever the hell father knows best but they're monsters and you have to get past that to get that you know for people to see you know the uh, you know the cover is just book deep you know the whole that whole adage but Car 54 is just these two wacky antics of these two guys, uh, you know, um, Joe E. Ross and Fred Gwynn paired together in the cop car. And they're at the 53rd Precinct, which a lot of diehard uh, fans of the Ghostbusters will recognize because at the end of the Ghostbusters, they say they're seeing ghosts up at the 53rd Precinct. They say they, they make some reference, you know, maybe the mayor is saying that when they're in the office at the end, they're like, you got to let us out of jail then and we'll take care of this. So, since you know, so I guess the, the car 54 is in the world of Ghostbusters, but... <laughs> It's a funny show, precursor to like a Seinfeld, where it's like these hilarious situations that just build as the show goes on, and it gets funnier, and then it kind of ties off at the end of the episode, these really just outlandish, you know, either it's like something is is mistaken, or something goes wrong, or it's just this something misinterpreted, and like very much like Seinfeld. And then by the end of it, it's just, you know, it's like, you know, you're, la- you're busting on the floor laughing. But... This episode, which aired uh, Christmas Eve, called Christmas at the 53rd, it's just them setting up doing a Christmas play for the family. And what's so weird and unique about it is just that, like, they set all these seats up, and and it begins, and they're just putting on a half-hour, 20-minute Christmas, like, show for the neighborhood and all the family of the uh, people who work there. And it's just very nice. It's lighthearted. It breaks the tradition of the show, so it's not... That stuff's not being done to be funny. It's just them putting on like a little like old-fashioned Christmas play doing song and dance numbers and bits and there's a spotlight and you see people's reaction clapping and all this stuff and it's very warm, very nice. Them singing all along and stuff like that. The entire thing is basically the play and then at the end of it when it's done and they sing or whatever and they say thank you, um, you know, you, you, you go to break and then you come back and it's the last like 10 or 15 seconds of the show. And I find it so poignant. It's like at the very end of it, you see them like he, like the captain or whoever's ushering out the last person. And the camera just pulls back on one shot and you see like the couple of the cops are putting the last of the chairs up. And then you see the janitor go by and he's pushing like the debris on the floor and everything's panning up. And it's just then the desk sergeants answering phone calls and the switchboard operators. What's happening? Okay, we'll send the car out. And then at the very end, it's just like, oh, it's just going back to the world of normal, you know, and it's just you had this weird kind of escape for a minute, but then you know that this is still, you know, it's so I find it so heartwarming and touching and it's really, really fun and it's a great show and I've really taken a liking to it. And this Christmas episode, something you can watch yearly because it's so nice and warm and friendly. So it's very good. It's very fun. I haven't thought about that show in forever. I used to watch that show a lot when I was a kid. Yeah, it's so funny. You go back and it's like. 
So, and then it's cool because they shot it all around here. So you'll see like a lot of locations, like, you know, they're sitting like doing traffic details. So they're like on the Bronx River Parkway waiting for cars to go by or they're by the zoo or something. <laughs> it's just so funny, that kind of stuff, you know, uh, it's very good. And then that episode, the Christmas at the 53rd, which I think is season two, maybe, or maybe the end of season one. And it's, like I said, it was Christmas Eve, 1961. So, Yeah. Well, my last uh, pick is a is a is a recent one. Although I didn't, uh, it was from two thousand one. Although I didn't see it till just recently, within the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, but I really enjoyed it. So uh, it's very much a Christmas movie. Where some of the ones I picked, obviously, were a little bit off the, uh, little off kilter for Christmas. Two thousand twenty one's Eight Bit Christmas, which was uh, based on a book by Kevin Jakubowski. And uh, <laughs> directed by Michael uh, Doyce, Doyce, who uh, has directed several things, but the one thing of note was a hockey movie called Goon from 2011, which I, uh, yeah, 2011, which I enjoyed. Uh, have you seen it yet? No, I have not. It's basically. No, I have not. <laughs> it's basically a Christmas story, but instead of it being about like our grandparents' childhoods, it's about yeah. our it's about our childhood. And uh Neil Patrick Harris plays an adult Jake Doyle and uh they go to visit his parents. Him he takes his daughter to go visit his parents for Christmas and I guess when he gets there nobody's there yet. And you know his daughter is a typical kid of this generation who is on the phone, not interested in her parents, which no kid really is at that age, like a tween tweenage age. But uh, he's like, we'll go up, we'll go upstairs, we'll play video games. And he's got a Nintendo, the NES. So it's basically him telling her the story about how he got the NES for Christmas one year. And uh, so it's a 1980 Chicago 10-year-old sets out on a quest to get the Christmas gift of his generation, the latest and greatest video game system. So it's him reciting this story. And it's just a fun, very much in the style of a Christmas story in that, like, you know, Ralphie really wants the BB gun. He really wants the NES. And uh, his parents aren't going to get it for him. It's too expensive or whatever. And so they hear that, like, it's not the Boy Scouts, but, like, their Boy Scout-esque thing. Like, if you go and you sell, instead of, like, cookies, like the Girl Scout cookies, they have to go sell wreaths for Christmas, like, to put on the <laughs> sure. door. Whoever sells yeah. the most most reads is going to get an NES, and so it's just uh, madcap uh, <laughs> stuff ensues, <laughs> and uh, it's wacky. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Steve Zahn plays his dad in the '80s, who I just always enjoy. Steve Zahn's one of the few actors who can genuinely do comedy and drama and be equally as good. Um, but. Uh, yeah, you know, to be honest, um, I was never the biggest fan of A Christmas Story. Like, I didn't dislike it at all. I remember seeing it as a kid. And I actually remember when I saw it as a kid thinking it was quite disturbing. There was just something about it just, like, really weirded me out. Like, I always thought that the bully was really menacing and scary. The fact that his tongue, the kid's tongue gets stuck to the pole, I always found disturbing. When he goes to see Santa and the elves at the department store, I always thought that Shot was very really disturbing. creepy. <laughs> the first person. You know, a lot of the flashbacks are weird. I always thought the 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 leg lamp was really kind of weird and disturbing in, in a weird way. And 
So I, I mean, I saw it as a kid and then I didn't start watching it again until when we were in college and it became like 48 hours, you know, like yeah, three, pure... three weeks of 24 hours a day. Yeah. Of, a, Christmas of a Christmas story. And of course, by then I had seen a lot of Bob Clark movies and I had become a fan of Bob Clark. So I've, I've developed an appreciation for a Christmas story over the last 20 years or so that I didn't have growing up because I think I saw it once or twice on cable at my dad's house when I was a kid, but it wasn't like a Christmas staple for me. Like I said, I didn't watch a lot of Christmas movies as a kid, but I thought this was like a really fun, interesting kind of like play on that to be about the eighties, which obviously in the eighties nostalgia is a huge thing now, but, and I can, I can see like people younger than us getting kind of sick of eighties nostalgia, but like, it's our childhood, you know, like I remember the excitement of getting the NES and the power glove being such a big deal. <laughs> you, you, know yeah. I, you know what I mean? So yeah. the cabbage patch, the power pad, his sister wants a cabbage patch doll. And so like it really plays into a lot of the kinds of things we talk about on Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers and the, and the time in which Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers also pines away for nostalgically when we talk about our childhoods and watching movies and stuff. So I thought it was a good, I'm sure this has got to be one that I'm sure a lot of our listeners have probably seen already, but I thought it was a lot of fun. And, and I thought it was, uh, it's a good Saturday night movie sleepovers, uh, esque movie to throw on the list this year. It sounds a little ahead of its time too, with it being, you know, getting that eighties kind of nostalgia there. You said it's 2001, uh, 21. If I said 2001. Oh, 21. Oh, okay. Then I'm completely off. I there. may have said. Oh, this is recently. I may have said 2001 by mistake, but it's 2020. I could have not just been listening. Oh, okay. So this is new. So yeah. I, I got to check that it's out. It's like last year. Okay. Now, for me, Christmas Story, I uh, I would see that on every year, but then the school he looked, he went to looked like the schools I went to elementary school in. So for me, I thought they shot that when I was little, like at Helen Street School where I went to elementary school because <laughs> yeah. it looked like one of those institutional schools. And, uh, you know, um, my affinity for Darren McGavin always grew, so I always loved watching it for good old Darren. Did you see the new Christmas story, the one that just came out? I did. I watched it, yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it had, like, the heart was in its right place. And I thought it ended. And Darren, like, I was really, like, you know, I was, like, I was, go- I was like, invo- you know, I was in it. You know, like, I, I actually thought it was. reeled me in. Most of it, I would say, like, I actually thought it was not very good. But I thought it mm. ended really strong. Like, by the end. It, yeah. It won me over by the end. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I kind of got going. And I was, like, okay, you know, you know, the, the, the gut punch at the beginning. And then. You know, uh, what's Melinda Dillon not coming back? And it's like, you know, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I, I was kind of into it. And then by the end, it kind of had me and I was like almost shedding a tear. Like, <laughs> yeah, Darren. Agreed, agreed. <laughs> like, come on. Uh, so I like it had the heart. Like I how, liked, you know, and then it, how they did. I opined for that look of the 70s. One thing know? I didn't like about it is that it's, my recollection is that the credits, yeah. in the credits, it's not, it should have been dedicated to Darren McGavin and Bob Clark. I know. It, that's I thought as soon as it was going to go to black, I thought they were going to de- dedicate it to Bob Clark and Darren McGavin, and they do not. And I don't know why. And then they shot it in Budapest. It's like I shot that shot that in Cleveland. <laughs> it looked like the streets of downtown New Haven where I grew up. And then you see like the Budapest, and then you look at everybody in the cast list. It's all like yeah, you know Eastern well, European names, where, and you're like, that's where what? You shoot that? stuff now, it's Budapest. I know, but it's crazy. I mean, that means they set up an entire block or two streets of um, you know '70s backwood, wherever he was supposed to live in. in you Ohio. see. Um, a side note, uh, what's that? Barbarian, that horror movie, Barbarian. No, but I've heard of it. They shot. I think they shot that where in the same place where they 
like Budapest or whatever country they city yeah. they shot that in. And there's a, they basically built like a suburban neighborhood that's supposed to be Michigan. <laughs> I wonder it, if they're using this, maybe. And there's a flashback in that movie that goes back to, like, when that neighborhood was really nice. And it's like, man, like, they really they just. did a good job. Yeah, but, like, they just obviously just built this American neighborhood <laughs> in, uh, like, a whole street. I feel like that Lindsay Lohan movie, too. Like, you see, like, <laughs> second unit. Second unit was someplace weird like that, and you're like, you know, um, you know, maybe Canada, but I felt like it said something like Budapest or something too, or something like you're like, what, you know, some weird location. Um, I, I always too like to throw out like the honorable mentions of like, you know, everyone likes to watch, you know, It's a Wonderful Life, which I love, and I'm a big fan of the Alistair Sims, um, A Christmas Carol. Um, but I like the side notes. There's a couple movies like um, Christmas in Connecticut from 1945 or uh, Remember the Night from 1940, which is a team up of, uh, we all know Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck, of course, from Double Indemnity, but they've done a couple movies together. And one, a Christmas movie called Remember the Night, which uh, is fabulous. Um, they did from 1940. And also another movie called Holiday Affair from 1949, which is Richard, uh, which is uh, 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 Robert Mitchum and a very young Janet Lee, which is a very fun movie, which actually kind of has a sad ending. You're like, oh, that kind of ru- ended in a, in a sour way uh, for, the, for, the, for Janet Lee's like, boyfriend at the time. You know, I don't want to, you know, she ends up with Robert Mitchum at the end, but the, the boyfriend's like, I'll be waiting in the car outside if you, cho- <laughs> if you decide not to. You know, it's like, oh, God, poor guy. He's going to be waiting out there for a while because he was a really nice guy, you know. But anyway, so I like mentioning stuff like that. But, of course, my number one uh, mention on the list is something I probably would have uh, tried to shoot for to do on the show. But uh, Blake can probably guess. It is my favorite movie of all fucking time, A Muppet Family Christmas from 1987. And this thing is just a chart popper for me for so many reasons. Uh, Comes out in 87. I saw it uh, on a tape. Uh, my parents taped it the night it came on, so we had the commercials. And then at some point, the back half of it got taped over. So I only had, like, the first half of this damn Christmas special. And then uh, a friend of mine who had dubbed those, that Christmas tape with Sesame Street had this on there, too, from, like, the same time, night at ear, too. So it has all the commercials in it. So it's so amazing seeing it uh, in its uncut form. And what the, what the special's about, 87s, which means we're post-Muppets Take Manhattan, it's... Uh, Fozzie's mom is living upstate, I would say, I guess in upstate Westchester maybe or something like that, or Connecticut because they're coming from New York City, and they're all going to surprise her. Fozzie's going to bring the whole Muppet gang from the from the Muppet Theater up there to spend the Christmas with poor mom who's going to be lonely up there. And little do we know his mom's actually planning to leave and go on like a vacation to Hawaii for the summer, kind of like Christmas with the Cranks. And she's rented the place out, airbnb it to um, Sprocket and the guy from uh, Fraggle Rock. And then he, they think they're getting this nice, lovely farmhouse, this idyllic for the weekend. And all of a sudden, all the Muppets show up. And uh, he's like, what the hell? So mommy stays. More Muppets are showing up. Uh, there's a blizzard coming, you know. So Miss Piggy is still stuck in the city doing a photo shoot. Is she going to be able to make it in time? Suddenly, we hear another approaching band. It's all of Sesame Street. The entire cast of Sesame Street shows up. So more people are coming, and it's this beloved thing. Meanwhile... Um, Kermit and, uh, his nephew, um, what's his name? The little guy, the G Kermit, um, you know, the little, um, I, f- I forget his name. Uh, Scrappy he, they do. go down. Yeah. Scrappy do, <laughs> but he's not as annoying. Uh, oh, you know, he wears the red jumper. I forget his damn name. Yeah, um, I I they, they go down, 
yeah, it's kind of tip my tongue. They go downstairs into the basement, and he's like, you remember you telling me about those Fraggle Rock holes? And he's like, uh, yeah. And he's like, is that one of them there? And there's a Fraggle Rock hole. They go into the freaking hole. Bang, Fraggle Rock's there. And then, you know, by the end of it, uh, Mickey, uh, Mickey, not Mickey, um, Miss Piggy shows up, even though in the storm. And then there's this big, like, last third act section where they just do this big melody of Christmas songs. So you have three properties of, of all the, the Muppets entities coming and doing crossovers. And then at the very end of it, uh, Sprocket is in the kitchen with Jim Henson. And Jim Henson's doing the dishes. He's like, isn't it lovely out there, guys? He's like, come on, Sprocket. Uh, there are a lot of dishes to be done. I'll wash you dry. And it's just so heartwarming because this is near, you know, um, people our age will remember Jim Henson died in 1990 or so. So I don't know what he was doing too much in the public eye. But um, over the years, you couldn't find this. This never re-aired again. It, I think it only aired twice on television, maybe like 86, uh, 87, 88. And then for years, it wasn't available until... The late 90s, it came out on VHS domestically in the U.S., but it had two songs cut out of it because they do Rock Around the Clock and they do um, another pop song outside, and I guess they didn't have the rights to that. But it was available overseas for a long period of time uncut because, you know, in Europe they do whatever the heck they want. And then finally it came out on DVD in the early 2000s, but it was the U.S. cut. It had those songs redacted, and it was this big copyright issue. And then what I found out when looking it up tonight to just talk about it, uh, it was Emmy-nominated uh, in 88, didn't win, and then it won a, v- a VGA TV award in 88. What I found out was it was because, uh, you know, we talked about this during in the Muppet movie, but when Jim Henson sold the rights to Sesame Street and to the Muppets to Disney and Sesame Street to PBS, they're no longer affiliated with each other. So because of that, you can't have this special ear because the Sesame Street doesn't interact for the most part with the Muppets. Maybe there's some sort of a demon for Kermit. Um, and then also Fraggle Rock is, was in kind of a limbo at the time. You know, I know they just rebooted it and maybe did some sort of um, yeah, newer that, thing with that it. That was HBO, right? Yeah, HBO was Fraggle Rock because they did the Emmett Otter up in Canada for HBO Homebox uh, Entertainment or whatever. And then that worked so well. He decided because he did the Muppet show in England uh, and then they did Emmett Otter as a test run to see if they could do the Muppet movie, a theatrical or a full length thing. And that went so well, they shot Fraggle Rock in the 80s up in Canada and then it was released domestically in America on HBO. But I think everywhere else. Uh, in the other countries, they put their own sprocket, the the the, the human lead. Th- it was kind of ingenious. They made him whoever you were to whatever country it was released in. Yeah. And then, you know, they would probably do the ins and outs, the bookends of it. They would do raps, and then they would air that show, and that show would, you know, whatever. So that aired on TV regularly, so a lot of people were more familiar with it. I didn't have HBO growing up, so I would only see the commercials for Fraggle Rock, but... In the early to mid-90s, Fraggle Rock syndicated on Nickelodeon. So you'd see a lot of this stuff, um, you know, like these specials and stuff. So um, I absolutely love this freaking, and I and this special, and I watch it every year. And I, like I said, over the years, I'll make the bold statement that it might be my favorite movie of all time out of everything because it's just so, it's so nice. It's so warm-hearted. I just want to go live up in Fozzie Bear's mom's house and just have this, you know, the Muppets are hanging out. And, and then there's a reference even, they're like, hey, we found home movies, and they turn on home movies, and it's, uh, home movies of the Muppet Babies, but it's live action Muppet Babies. So it's like there's so many crossings of 
um, uh, franchises and entities that you just might not get anymore. So, and then the Dark Crystal guys show up. Uh, and then they they Bowie like, oh, shows up. Yeah, he's like, Gerard, hello, with my ball. I'm looking for your little boy. Don't look at my crotch. Look over here. Don't look at my Jennifer Connelly's in there, like looking for Paul Bettany. She's trying to marry. I mean, David Bowie. Um, so it's just. Yeah, it's great. And for years, it just dumbfounded me. Like, you're sitting on this great property. Why aren't you airing it? And it's because of all these, you know, copyright infringements, the tragedy of it all. Yeah. Uh, and song ties and the royalties. They couldn't get royalties for, for re-airings for those, yeah, those pop I mean, songs. It's definitely like, uh, you know, mainline a uh, <laughs> childhood nostalgia. Right in there. Right, right in the know. vein of <laughs> right, this one. Right centerfold. I mean, that might be, it might also be the last thing Jim Henson does Muppet-wise. No. I know they had that the the Muppets Tonight, or there was a late '80s Muppet show that ran a season or two, which was really good. But particularly, there was an episode called Dog City, where they did like a '30s like Warner Brothers James Cagney kind of uh, send up uh, to like the gangster movies. Like you know, his idea was like you know, like you look at the old paintings of like dogs playing like poker. You know, like he's like, I want to do a whole world where it looked like 30s gangsters. So, you know, and you and I have talked to the cows come home on podcasts of practical puppets. And, you know, we've done Labyrinth. We've done the Muppet movie. um, We've done Emmett Otter. We might have done something else Muppet related or, you know, some sort of puppet related. So it just blows my mind, especially nowadays when you look at stuff like that. And like the craftsmanship and the artisanship of having to build like small scale cars and trucks and streets and buildings and all that so it astounds me all because everything now like i'm not too hip on the muppets these days and like the first thing that comes in the memory is a couple years ago a couple years ago they did the muppet halloween special kind of thing and to me it just looks like they're all acting in front of like a chroma key blue screen yeah they put whatever background they want and it just looks like you know they get the actor it's like sesame street stuff now i was watching feel uh, like they're interacting with the uh location i was watching uh Every once in a while, I'll catch the masked singer on yeah. Fox, and uh, at least I think it's on Fox. But every once in a while, I catch it. I and mean, if I do catch it, I'll sit there and I'll watch it. Um, and there was like a Muppet themed episode, and it was like the guy oh. whoever's doing Kermit now is like not even trying. He's like, "Hey, I'm no. Kermit." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. Hey, it used it ain't to be easy Brian... being green, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> baby, <laughs> it's Telly. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. I, it was it was his son for a while doing it, and then his son took over, and then it was the other guy, Whitmire, um, who did it for like twenty years, and then he had a falling out with them four or five years ago for whatever reason that like he was, you know, the two side two camps was like they one he his side of it is they didn't get him to renew. Their side is like he was becoming a prima donna and he was like entitled or whatever, but um. Yeah, I I don't know. It, it, it that that is the been the biggest. I know everyone loves. Uh, if you bring up the Muppets, everyone will say the Muppet Christmas Carol, which I think is a great movie. Michael Caine. Yeah. It's the first time Paul Williams is back after doing maybe uh, the Muppet movie with them or the Muppet Show. Uh, it's post Jim Henson dying, so it is dedicated to Jim Henson uh, at the end of the credits. But I don't love it as much as I love the the Muppet Christmas, uh, the Muppet Family Christmas, and they've done a couple others. They've done a. 
they did like it's a wonderful life esque kind of a uh, a thing like maybe in 2000 2001 with uh, Whoopi Goldberg and a whole bunch of modern celebrities in it I didn't really care for that they've done like a Wizard of Oz uh, kind of thing and it's just I don't know they're getting less and less for me and I just can't get over the non Jim Henson years yeah, and I've, we've talked about that too as well. So it's kind of, you know, I like Treasure Island a lot. I'm up at Treasure Island. I like the Muppets, uh, Muppets in Space or from that, that movie and stuff in the 90s. But once they get into the 2000s, you're kind of really losing me. And uh, you're right. Some of these voices just don't sound like Frank Oz or sound like uh, Jerry Nelson or sound like, uh, you know, Jim Henson anymore. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I shouldn't be hung up on stuff like that, but I am. Well, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. Because that's... Yeah. You know, it's like if you went to like your yeah. parents' house and they just suddenly <laughs> words don't sound anymore. like themselves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, wait, what, what's going on here? Um, and there's two references you brought up, uh, which remind me singing. Uh, they sing a song in Sesame Street, the Sesame Street's Christmas special, called "Like Keep Christmas with You All Through the Year." They bring that up in the Muppet Family Christmas special. And then they sing uh, old friends, new friends. They sing that in the Muppet Christmas special. And that's from another, I think, Muppet special as well. And then lastly, in one of the Fraggle Rock Christmas specials, they do a song called Pass It On about, like, giving a rock to each other. And then when they meet, um, when Kermit and his uh, Scrappy-Doo, I forget his darn name, um, when they meet... um, fraggles they sing pass it on so they're like recalling all these other songs from these other christmas specials that like i guess a kid who was up on all the christmas specials at the time would remember like oh these are the songs from the other from the other specials so i like how they tie it all together that way robin. very fun robin yes i knew it not scrappy dude that's like a disservice to uh <laughs> to the to, to muppet fandom because scrappy dude was such a son of a bitch um but i'm you know there was a this is a a I think a good list for anybody. I mean, we've mentioned two dozen stuff properties and stuff like that, you know, um, all over the, uh, ran the gamut, ran the gamut from French, whatever mood you're in for, yeah, cartoons for the kids, for your adults, for NC 17, for black comedy, for a hallmark. And then we have the, our other, you know, from 2014, we've been putting out two or three a month in December. So we have, what do we say? 13 or 14 or 15, regular episodes that we've done in the past uh covering various topics for christmas time um and i'm sure we'll do more in the future you know i mean this ended up being just as long as if we had covered a movie but i you know it's nice to have the prep you know variety the the prep was a little less though a little bit a little bit (laughs) a little bit a little out of what of yourself a little bit um yeah so th- that was good you know and then it's like so many it's like pick five and then i'm like oh that'll be fine and then i have like 20 yeah I'm like fuck i don't know what the fuck i mentioned i will mention to this and like you know you, you mentioned a dozen later you're mentioning stuff you know um and then nowadays it's just so easy it's just, i don't know uh, it's not a, to, to another can of worms to open but it's just so funny just to how easy everything just on your phone and just whatever you want to find. And I still have an analog brain with DVDs and CDs and, um, you know, you can just find it. You don't, what you don't, you know, I have an MP3 player and people laugh at me because I'm old because people do everything on their phone now. Or, um, you know, you can find everything on YouTube. So it's just, it's just silly nowadays. You know, how, how so accessible these things are. You can find them easily. Yeah. I mean, there's people that have made like playlists of like a hundred and three hundred, Christmas television, Christmas specials on YouTube. Yeah, or Halloween too. You just put yeah, on a playlist lots. and you can watch. And 
And even if you can't find it on YouTube for free, you can probably find it to rent or buy, you know, like on a Prime or some sort of streaming service if you're looking for it, if you need to watch it that bad. So some of them uh, are really bad, really, but they're still worth checking. Yeah, out. Like I was watching, but like, it's fun to watch like the Fat Albert Christmas special or whoever. You know, it's like fun watching some of the, the you know the, the ones you remember from your childhood. Well, I don't not so much the episodes of shows, but I mean just like the network Christmas oh. specials from like there was one I was watching one from on YouTube called like Rock and Roll Christmas or something from like 1986. But everybody that's in it. Is like it's like three dog night, you know Paul Revere and the Raiders, <laughs> Mike Love from the Beach Boys. So it's like it's the eighties, but like everybody that's in it is from like the sixties and early seventies. And I was like, yeah, oh, that, yeah. so, that sounds like it's going to be fun, but it is like frighteningly bad. Um, but it's just uh, all them doing musical performances. Well, it's like there's this through story with um, this woman walks into. Uh, Scrooge's office and Scrooge ah the guy's I think he's at the he's a, was in a bunch of westerns the guy who played Scrooge I think he was at the beginning of what's about time the west he's like a big guy with like an eye that oh Jack Elam <laughs> yeah yeah Jack Elam he's he's in Cannonball Run he's yeah, the yeah. doctor they're bringing in stuff and he's in the well, he plays Twilight Scrooge Jones. and uh, this this woman walks in she's like oh she thinks she's walking into a record store and he's like what's a record what's a record and uh, then she has like a snow globe, and I don't know. Then it's just like the in between is like them talking, and it's like painfully, it's like slow and bad. Like, did you guys like rehearse this at all? Like, is there a script for this? Like, <laughs> sounds much like the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> They're and shooting the run through, and then she'll <laughs> shake like the globe and put it down, and then we'll like go into the globe, and then you'll see like. And he's like, who are these people? Paul Revere. Oh, poor dissolved. Wasn't he, uh, you know, so the British are coming? And he's like, no, 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 it's the rock band. You know, in the Manson house that they owned in the house and the whole tragedy. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, Jen and Tate. I remember that well. <laughs> but uh, so some of them are not so great, but they are kind of a weird time capsule. That could be a whole other side cast, us doing like our favorite Christmas holiday specials. Like I said, you know, you have Bing Crosby, you have yeah. Liberace, you said you have Bob, you know, Bob Hope, you have all these different people, uh, Frank Sinatra and stuff like that. So you can actually find probably the best of, like, you know, there's the DC and Marvel, like the um, hosted by Egg McMahon variety show, you could probably find. Yeah. It's like they were still doing those variety shows, the Christmas specials. And some of them, you know, I, I have a really warm place in my heart for them. Most of them hold up. Some of them don't, which is sad. And well, um, it's a it's it's just a nice. bygone era, you know. Like they don't. It's a time castle too. They don't a really time do capsule those of what they're kinds watching. of variety type no. shows very often anymore, if at all. Yeah, I mean, even when you're watching like the Macy's Day Parade for like Thanksgiving, it's kind of like, eh, you know, this is kind of weird. Like, you know, you're seeing like them singing like like freaking, you know, uh, Cardi B's like WAP. <laughs> 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 And you're like, oh, okay, this is for the kids, you know, whatever the fuck, you know, it's, oh, oh, there's the consumerism for you. So I don't know. But uh, it's great to chat up, coming along and chat about this. And this is dropping, you know, before Christmas, so hopefully it'll keep some momentum and 
you know, people will listen to it before the holiday spirit gets you into it. And if you're looking for something to watch, you know, we I'm sure we're giving you some great examples. And it has time to hang out with us while we hang out on the top of Blake's bunk bed here and um, we don't use the um, the tent. We wish we had the bed tent. <laughs> It'd be awfully cramped with the two of us. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, my neck is killing me because it's at a 45 degree angle from being against the stucco ceiling here. I'm gonna look like a Klingon when I take my head down, you know. So, um, um, and it, it does feel a little top heavy too, you know, because you know, two grown men on the top of a bunk bed. <laughs> Sounds like a joke. you move. There's, it's, two, it's, there's two grown men on the top of a bunk bed, and the one guy starts the other this guy. Way. Hey, what are you doing up here? Where's your bed tent? And then I don't think you've tightened this in too long, so if you move, you can feel the bolts all, moving down the bottom. Creaky. It's a little creaky. A little hingy. So, um, so that's going to wrap us up for the year, and I'm sure we'll come back and do something for the new year at some point. Something fun, maybe another kind of thing like this where we just talk or we do something specific like a movie or a show or some sort of idea. Um, I guess we should thank everybody also for been contacting us and you know, telling us how much they miss us or how we still have a lot of new listeners coming and checking the show out and listening to it in, in kind of um, uh, in order. They're doing it chronologically and stuff, which is pretty amazing. People checking in with us and telling us how uh, they're starting from the beginning and um, they're, you know, listening in chronological order <laughs> all of our shows, which the is kind of a feat in its own. Of the, of the format even. Yeah, and then we have some people who don't even know we've stopped. You know, they're just still like, hey, uh, why don't you do this movie? And we're like, yeah, <laughs> that's, we'll add it to the list, of course. That's a great idea. You know, we were on a hiatus, but, yeah, maybe we will pick it back up at full speed. Someday. So we've just gotten, yeah, we've just gotten busy with everything going on, you know, uh, with life and stuff like that. But it's nice to have these where we come back and surprise everybody. So hopefully this is a surprise for people. And they're going to listen to it, and, you know, the couple – the 25 people who listen to our show yeah. will listen to and it. Then, and, uh, we'll get a nice know. review that complains about how we don't get to uh, the topic <laughs> at hand for the first hour of the show. Yeah, and you know, they'll, they'll, they know the reason why uh, this move, this podcast sucks, <laughs> because <laughs> we talk too much. But complain about all the facts that we got wrong. And, uh, yeah, yeah. We... even though it's a, lo- it's, a li- it's a live show, baby, <laughs> we're going... <laughs> And, you know, the also the other thing is we usually correct those errors if you went to our website. We usually have, like, addendums up saying, uh, you know, we said this wrong or that wrong, but we meant to say this. But in this day and age, people don't go to websites, baby. <laughs> <laughs> website? What's that? <laughs> What's a website, baby? If I can't read it in the palm of my hand, uh, you're screwed if I can't listen to it. So, yeah, we've had people who don't like our format. So, sorry. Uh, like our old friends, what is it, Sax used to say? What do you want for nothing? What do you want <laughs> you know? for, I was just thinking about him. I don't want to get into that conversation because I was just He's long probably and passed day. away. You know, World War II vet. I'm, I, I, I think about him much. And I'm sure we've brought him up in other conversations on the podcast. But, um, yeah, I was thinking about him. That was his famous saying, what do you want for nothing? Except doing those lewd sexual poems, remember? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not good. That's We'll think about yeah. we'll, we'll think about sacks. We'll talk about him time. next time. Yeah, yeah. So we, we we'd want to listen to his World War II stories, but to do that, we'd have to get through about two or three lewd. Give me an animal, any animal. <laughs> we'd be like a zebra. He'd be like the zebra ate the plate from a pussy of the hosey. Okay, sacks. <laughs> Tell me about you being a medic in uh, in, in Italy. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, what do you got going on there, Mr. J. Blake? Well, uh, I want to thank everybody uh, who uh, who's a listener that uh, 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 generously and graciously uh, 
contributed to my Kickstarter campaign. Um, we had, uh, we successfully reached our very, uh, short, small goal of, uh, for production. So, uh, 2023 will be very busy making a documentary based on score to death and, uh, producing an album, which was one of the, uh, Kickstarter, uh, rewards. And so, uh, 2023 is going to be very busy, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and, uh, that's about it, man. That's all I got going on. And you did your score to death as of this recording. You dropped a little nice uh, uh, music for the season. <laughs> a little Suspiria score to death. A Suspiria Christmas, sure. And uh, I'm still doing on occasion. What a great Christmas special. Uh, Suspiria <laughs> Christmas. Hosted by Dario I didn't think about it. We, we didn't do it at Christmas, but technically... Deep Red is kind of a Christmas movie because the flashback. Profundo Rosso? The flash, oh, yeah, that uh, is a Christmas flashback. Is, uh, is during yeah. Christmas time. Well, that's why I brought up the Tales from the Crypt movie. The, um, the What is that? The Asylum, maybe? Yeah, I forget we, who did that. But one of those vignettes was yeah, the Christmas. We, you know, they, we, did Chris, we did that, too, for Halloween, the, in our anthology. Yeah, yeah. With Anne Margaret, I forget who was in that. Someone oh, it was... was um, uh, Betsy Betsy Collins, uh, uh, Betsy Bootsy Collins. <laughs> it was um, Joan, Joan Joan Collins. Joan Collins. Joan Collins. Yeah. Joan Collins. Uh, uh, Not Edith the... Keeler from Star Trek's uh, City on the Edge of Forever. Joan Collins. Yes, yes. Her sister's the uh, writer. Yes. But uh, yeah, but I, I'm still, you know, I don't do it. Uh, re, you know, I don't do it uh, on any particular schedule. But I'm still doing Score to Death Radio on occasion. And uh, this year I'll be having some guests who uh, nice who uh, are contributors to the Kickstarter account so uh, campaign. So uh, we'll be sitting. James Hancock happens to be one of them from good old Wrong Reel. He's going to be sitting in on Score to Death Radio early next year, and we'll be talking about film music. So uh, those those are the big those are the big things. So uh, stay tuned for all things Score to Death. Uh, nice. Like the movie, the podcast, uh, the record, <laughs> pressing a record, the making uh, it like it's nineteen seventy three. The lunchbox, the uh, Blake's <laughs> pressing a lunchbox. That was a real top tier. The, but the action you figures, get a, you get an aluminium lunchbox with a thermos <laughs> inside. I got figures. And I'm the Jay Blake action figures. action figures of all the composers. The Kenner-looking action figures, they're very, like, you know, only, like, what, six-jointed or whatever it is, like, the, just the hips and the, the shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they fit most of your vehicles from um, that era. Yeah. So that's awesome. That's pretty cool. So they can keep up to date with all that kind of stuff going on. Yeah. What about if they, you? They follow your... I got nothing. Uh, I got a couple books out. If you want to go to Amazon, you can check them out. The available paperback, uh, ebook, and audiobook. Um, you can follow me on the medias that are social. I'm not on TikTok. Uh, uh, I should probably figure that out. But I just um, recently you know, joined um, it for the campaign. I thought maybe I could reach more people. But uh, yeah, how's that going? Any, any kind of luck? I haven't quite figured it out yet. And you're not. If you're not some hot ass girl twerking, you know, twenty year old. You know, I don't know how you're gonna get a. <laughs> Get some t- retweets or whatever you call it now. Well, Hashtag that's all. Every time trending. I, you know, it's one of those things where when you go on, it just starts playing videos, and yeah, it's and always burning through your it's minutes. So, it's always like some hot girl that yeah, doing something like, crazy. And then you click on it, you see five more of those. I don't follow you. I mean, I don't know why you're showing this to me. 
Yeah, what is this? What is this? Some, you know, people think, singing songs or, or they're lip syncing some clip, some hot 20-year-old lip syncing a clip from a movie that's completely off, lip synced, anyway. you know, and I don't understand it. So, yeah, I got the books out, you know, um, a couple movies I did uh, earlier this year, I guess, um, if you guys haven't checked it out yet, which I think we even posted it on here. Uh, I did uh, Strange Occurrence out at uh, out f- Strange Occurrence out at Fort Courage, which was just a radio play I did about Bigfoot, kind of like a um, a uh, Kolchak the Night Stalker kind of a send up or uh, homage. Uh, that's fun, and uh, you know, writing right now the um, a third book. We'll see if that goes anywhere, and uh, just trying to stay alive and above ground, and uh, you know, good times. Um, and I guess you know. Uh, follow us on our social medias. You know, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, uh, individually and collectively as Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Um, you can engage our Discord by just messaging us on Facebook, <laughs> and we will get back to you. We're on the page, and um, you know, uh, uh, you know, we we like to interact and hear from people. And uh, even if you want to complain to us about how much you hate the uh, format of the show and <laughs> how we don't know anything, go for it. You feel know? feel free. Yeah, feel free. Um, and, um, yeah, you know, I think we got some stuff going on and, you know, fun stuff will be happening, I'm sure. And um, I hope you have a, a safe holiday season this year. Make it a fun one. Uh, and uh, I don't know. What else, Blake? Anything? I think that's about it. Thank you for uh, listening and uh, being uh, kind to us with uh, forever. For every negative, we get many positives. So I, I appreciate. We kid about the negative. We appreciate but. everybody that uh, yeah. that takes the time to listen, and uh, we wish you a happy holidays. Yeah, have a merry, merry one, everybody. Happy Christmas. Later. Mm-hmm.